Dick. Oh, God. What's up? A watermelon. This is retarded. Turn off the fucking webcam. It's not my webcam that's messing it up. Yes. Turn it off, though. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> Zandy's dropping. Dude, this is fuck. I think it's his webcam because he's using it from, like, Ubuntu or something. Like, I'm on Windows 10. Can you call my Google Voice number? And I'll Why? Get on, and I'll get on my other computer. You said I sounded terrible. You're acting like a fucking customer. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how do I sound tonight? Because I'm using earbuds tonight. Sound fantastic tonight. Yeah, you sound better. Thanks, baby. He wants you. He wants you. What God. the? F how are you in this call? I'm done. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Shadowcast episode 12. I'm your host, Whiskey Neon. Joined tonight with Black Math. Hello. <laughs> Mr. Chin. Yo, yo. And Zandy. What's up? Alright, so <laughs> last week we did uh, Phone Freaking Part 1, where we covered the history of Phone Freaking. And uh, this is part two, so um, I hope you all will enjoy uh, our uh, amazing content that you uh, just love to listen to uh, every week. Uh, so, <laughs> if you'll notice, uh, uh, somebody missing from this show that was on last show is Polygon, yes, aka the King of Nine X. <laughs> yeah um he apparently could not figure out how to make his configuration not sound like a fan was blowing in his microphone so he has been banned from the show until he can rectify his audio quality issues because here at shadow systems we give you the best quality <laughs> audio <laughs> that you can find um so yeah well, wait. Okay, hold up. Are you intentionally spiking the levels? Because it sure sounds like... <laughs> uh, spiking the audio levels? Uh, yeah, yeah nah. your voice is clipping. Yeah, you are clipping pretty hard. Which is the ultimate irony here. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, You know what? Uh, I'm actually not clipping on my end. But I will... It's like when I mom out of the bedroom for my penis. You were breaking up. All I heard was mom and penis, which... Yeah, that's all that's important. It reminds me of a, a special recording <laughs> I have of Mr. <laughs> Chin. <laughs> uh, which I will play now. Whoa, so do I sound better for you guys now? Oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's a Skype. Skype is doing this right now. That's not me. That is Skype's fault. Sorry, guys. Uh, does it sound better for you guys? This is really stupid that we're troubleshooting in the middle of the show. I'm going to have to edit this out, I guess. <laughs> you sound okay now. Okay. Yeah, that's because I un well, unchecked yeah. again 
Oh, look. How about now? Does it sound better? Okay, whatever you yes. just did, leave it there. Yeah. Uh, Skype was automatically adjusting my microphone settings, even though I had already disabled that. So, thanks, Skype, for doing all kinds of stupid shit. Anyways, let's continue. Um, so, yeah, Polygon's not with us, um, and so we're going to have a good show tonight. Uh, did... <laughs> Did you guys do anything interesting this week that's uh, worthy of bringing up? Oh, the week went by so quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. It just. Yeah, I, I well, completely uh, agree. I, I guess I did somehow. Oh, oh, fuck yeah. Tell us about the crypto party event. Yeah, so the crypto party, like, the one downside with the crypto party is they always seem to draw a lot of technical people. And so if you're interested in actually teaching, like, everybody how to use these things and uh, protect themselves and all that sort of stuff, it can be tough. But uh, luckily, somehow, uh, the Crypto Party was called on to help the Eastern Michigan University's Women's Resource Center put on a little event workshop sort of thing for uh, Stalking Awareness Month, which was January. And they went pretty well. I bought 30 copies of uh, Violet Blue's The Smart Girl's Guide to Privacy, handed those out, set up a presentation to cover some of the more effective things and general education for people. And I got a lot of good feedback. Well, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Um, was there any, w- did anyone come to you with a story that, uh, I mean, obviously you can't tell it, but uh, did you hear any stories or anything there that were, or, or was it just, you know, they were just there to learn? Did you get to interact and, hear any horror stories um the people there were mostly just there to learn i didn't hear any horror stories from them but at a uh at a crypto party months back last year one of the people that came she brought her kids and as she was learning some stuff uh came to find out that her friend was like being tracked on her phone by her uh partner and all this crazy like really invasive shit which in my presentation i talk about like some of the kind of Android spyware that's out there. Because if you can nab somebody's phone for a bit and you've got it alone to yourself for a few minutes, then you can very easily install some of this uh, subscription-based spyware where you can track everything they do to a very disturbing level. So, uh, no, nothing specific at this event, but it's totally a thing, and it's really fucking creepy. You should follow up uh, with all the participants by... uh... Uh, tracking their uh, GPS location and calling the store that they're at and paging them. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you, if you have any names, you could always just uh, uh, see if they use Foursquare on yep. on Twitter and then uh, call up Face- the place and ask for them. Facebook check-ins, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good idea. And And actually, one of the little demonstrations I had, which you've got to find, like, a willing participant, but... Uh, you can actually go on various people search sites and actually right there live try and track them down and see what you can find. And they seem to really respond to that. Like, you I know, sh- I should give you the first talk I gave at DHA. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mr. Chin, he he remembers that one. Uh, how was my reaction there when I gave that talk? Uh, I'm sorry. I Jesus, were you asleep again? <laughs> no, no, no. You, 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 you caught me. I was I was slightly distracted. What? I heard DHA. Uh, which talk are you referring to? <laughs> yeah, the first, the first talk. How, wh- how was that received there? 
<laughs> uh, it, it certainly got a reaction. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, I, I think in the future uh, such a talk would require a little bit more uh, polish to be done right. No, um, I did it right the first time. No, I okay, not what I meant. What do you mean? You mean to be politically correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I stand by well, my work. That wouldn't be our our whiskey neon without no, it. No. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, for those who weren't there or listened to DHA After Hours when we talked about it multiple times, uh, that was where I did Ascent on a random target. Uh, using a free dating site, and within three minutes, without uh, using any kind of special tools other than Google, uh, was able to know where she lived, her cell phone number, uh, just all kinds of oh, stuff damn. about her. Yeah. Uh, what else? I had her obviously her full name to have all of that too. Um, but yeah, it was like a complete ascent uh, dive, and I was from start to finish. It was three minutes. And, uh, then there was, after that, I used Meetup, a private group on Meetup. I was able to identify a user using a Facebook social graph where all I had was her first name and the fact that she lived in one state originally and moved to another state. And that's all the information I had was that she was from state A and lives in state B and her first name. And I was able to find her instantly on Facebook using Facebook's social graph. So, uh, that, that was really, uh, I, I mean, it was, it was a really cool reaction when I was doing the talk because there was some interaction. Um, but a lot of people were just like, damn. Uh, but what really changed it all was the waitress. Uh, she was just stopping in the middle of the talk, looking up at the screen and I could see her jaw drop at like she was realizing holy shit this is terrifying uh and that's that's good yeah that's that's exactly what my point was it was that you need to be able to uh realize the gravity of uh slip-ups and making these accounts online and think oh well i got a unique username uh that's going to protect me no no it's not um and just the information that is on a dating site profile, uh, you can use the social graph API now because the the main uh, uh, feature is now removed from Facebook. But just using the demographical information, age, um, uh, you know, uh, their location, possible, uh, yeah, yeah, ASL. Uh, and then what's in a profile like that? You, you give away your interest and shit like that. And you can actually do search terms like, um, males who are 35, who live near Richardson, Texas, who like Breaking Bad. And it gives you a list of (laughs) those people. Uh, and that's just unbelievably awesome uh if you're trying to find information on people it's absolutely terrifying if you're a victim of domestic abuse or uh stalking so why did they turn that off 
Oh man, was it? too scary. But it, it's not. It's not disabled. You can still access it via the API. Yeah, they just took away the UI. Yeah, like it used to be in the search box. So yep, you, I remember that. You could just type, and there's still some limited features there. But it used to be really good. Uh, mm. And they've also removed uh, one little thing that I talked about there as well, is that identifying a person via their uh, phone number. If you have their phone number or email address uh, and you do a search on uh, Facebook at the time, uh, you would more than likely be able to find them, but that information might be private. Well, if it's private, you could just go and click on lost password, put in the, the email address and or uh, phone number, and it would give you the picture, uh, the avatar, and uh, sometimes their name, sometimes it wouldn't. Um, but just knowing the, uh, avatar, you could then find them, uh, using reverse image searches and, or, uh, using the rest of the information that you gather there. Um, you could do it on Google as well. Uh, but both of them now don't really, uh, make it easy to do. They star out a bunch of the information and they used to provide an email address, uh, like alternate email addresses on, Facebook, but now uh, that's all start out. You only get uh, like it gives you the exact character length, but there's only like a couple of letters and then asterisks and then a couple of letters for the username. And then the domain is start out as well, but you can deduce on free email hosts, Gmail, Yahoo, uh, that type of thing, uh, what the URL is going to be. So if you had someone's name, you could try doing a password reset or their cell phone number or an email address, but then you would get a, a, a list of information that you could then use. So I had a person's cell phone number, but I didn't have their email address, and I was trying to get their email address. Well, by doing that, they still started out, but I'm like, okay, well, this is obviously her first name and last name, and this is her college's email address. It was a .edu, so you know what I mean? Um and that was funny because in that instance, that girl I was trying to contact was because I was contacted to help a, an ex of her stalk her. So I made him think that I was going to help him, all the while gaining the information from him and collecting screenshots out the ass and uh, sending an email to the girl letting her know everything. <laughs> so that she could uh, turn him in because he had a restraining order on her. So uh, those are still some things you can do there, but a lot of these people don't realize it. And uh, the crypto party teaches you the techniques of uh, hiding uh, from mass surveillance and protecting yourself in, in the crypto sense. But uh, and, and there's also OPSEC things that's, that's covered with crypto parties, but I think that actually showing someone the real-world examples goes a long ways versus talking about it in a, you know, uh, just an overview. Yeah, we, we, need, we recommend Signal because, you know, someone could potentially uh, just nab your uh, SMS database off of your phone, and it's unencrypted. Well, no one's going to think, oh, well, that's, that's going to happen to me until, you know, it's until shown. Until it does. Yeah, if you can well, show how I mean, easy it is, then they're like, yeah. shit. Well, it's it's like maybe not so much people pulling files off, but like I recommended Signal to the people at the event because my threat model was 
you know, somebody they knew could be a stalker or an abuser. And so what they would want to do is grab their phone and go through their shit. And so like for right. them, they don't care as much that they can have the end to end encryption. So the carrier can't see anything with signal, but you can put a password on it with signal. Yeah. And right? it's an encrypted database. That's what, uh, you know, yeah, separates it's, it's it. like, it's done right. So even like the, well, I mean, a technologically capable person shouldn't be able to really get into it without some work. But like the person that doesn't have skills, you know, they don't know the password, they can't get in. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's a much better way of of going about it. But if you can show a real use case, I think that really hits home, and that's why you get reactions because people get angry because they're now afraid. And that's yeah. a good thing. Well, <laughs> well the, the cool thing about that demo you did, which I, I remember hearing about, I wasn't there, but you just get some random person. So it's almost like, you know, we're not trying to go set someone up. We're just going and finding somebody. But the downside is like, you know, you are invading that person's privacy and basically doxing them. So it's kind of a gray area where like, you know, they didn't consent to it, but you're also kind of like doing a demonstration oh, of, yeah. you know, this well, can happen to you know just some random person that you go find on the internet. I didn't. I didn't in the presentation, uh, doc, sir. I blurred out everything. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's better. Yeah, it was just some things. I left. I had screenshots so that you could see, and like, okay, so like, say, uh, uh yeah, you got I, enough. You got just enough info to know that it was not smoke and mirrors. You know, yeah, it was real, and so, um say a picture like the display picture i didn't even have that i just had it blurred to where you could see that it was the same image on another profile you know what i mean so it was censored but uh yeah you know it, that's, yeah that's that's pretty solid then yeah so it wasn't like i was dropping someone's docs i was uh i was just going through and and you know showing how you would go about doing that and how easy it is Without using Maltigo or any of the awesome apps that are, you know, really popular right now. Right. Well, that's cool, dude. Are you going to be doing that again? Is there uh, actually? Actually, um, yeah, hopefully so. There's nothing planned, but I mean, I've still got leftover books. I've got a couple. I got some promotional material from No Starch Press, who are awesome, by the way. Um, I've got, you know, the slide deck is all set up the hard work's done it could use some editing but it's the sort of thing where it's set up to go again so hopefully it will yeah um well that's pretty awesome are you did anyone seem interested to come out to the crypto party for the monthly meetup um a few people uh there were also some people who wanted to uh come but didn't make it so oh, okay, we'll see what cool. kind of outreach can happen there yeah that's awesome and uh, where can people find more information about your crypto party? Oh, they can go to the awesome new domain that I bought, a2crypto.party. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, and that's, uh, when do you do it? It is currently the second Saturday of every month in Ann Arbor at the All Hands Active Makerspace at uh, 4 p.m., but... Uh, that it's going to be that for the next few months at least, and then things might have to be rearranged. But that's all going to be on the website. Okay, cool, cool. Well, why don't we get started into our first segment of the show? Now it's time for the feed. 
If you're listening to the show, you've uh, <laughs> at some point in time had woes with Java and just absolutely hated it. Uh, it's the epitome of the internet. Um, a lot of browsers have uh, pulled support for it. And finally, today, Oracle dropped the baby on its head. Um, they are uh, depreciating the Java browser plugin and preparing, uh, preparing for its demise. It will be removed sometime after the release of Java 9. At this point, it's irrelevant. Um, browsers uh, have no. uh, already removed support for it. Um, the only browser out there, any modern browser out there right now that supports it is IE 11, and that's only taking um, security updates. Um, of course, we're going to have a bunch of industry and uh, you know government, big corporations, etc., that are going to be kicking and screaming and didn't read the writing on the wall. But yeah, um, at this honestly, at this point, you got what's coming to you. I mean, really. Uh, what do you I, mean by uh, supports the Java plugin? Because you can run the Java plugin in Firefox. Yeah, you can. Uh, that's true, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> Busted. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you can still run it. When is uh, when the fuck is Adobe gonna follow suit? They, with, they, uh, they Flash. They still uh, they still gonna support you know those old porn sites. I guess I don't know. I have no clue why uh, they haven't got away with. There's tons of Flash applications that still exist out there, but. Uh, you I know, because I don't have Flash in Chrome, and uh, every once in a while I'll run into a site that, you know, doesn't have, like, HTML5 version of videos or whatever. And, well, yeah. Uh, well. It's called DRM. Uh, that's a big issue there. Uh, they just, you know, if it wasn't for that, uh, you know, binary blob that everyone was all pissed about <laughs> with Firefox and uh, supporting DRM in HTML5... Uh, we would have to stick with Flash for a lot longer. So uh, I want to I want to clarify what I said. Firefox currently supports, but they um, announced plans in October to, in a future release, start depreciating browser plugins. Yeah, and one thing that you can um, uh, do if you are in an enterprise that you will still need to use Java, which I have to because a lot of people who are saying yeah it's it, it's dead no one uses it it's not true if you have management uh consoles uh oh, yeah i mean oh, yeah a, a shit ton of them a shit ton of them uh still use uh, uh the plugin speaking of freaking avaya's uh yeah one x uh soft phone is completely yeah. a java app yeah, well, that's a that's not an applet though, right? It doesn't. No, run. no, it's 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 a Java-based app, but I'm right. just I'm saying like, in the corporate world, Java is still heavily heavily used. I mean, yeah, and like uh, my KVM, oh, my my, yep, my IP KVM, it like to view it in a browser, you have to have the Java plugin. Yeah, yep, to, to administer think, the fucking thing, you have to have it. Actually, it's stupid. I think Drax too. Like, uh, yep, yep. The Dell, yeah. Yep. yep, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you're right about that, yeah. You also have, uh, for Flash, uh, fucking VMware, um, why, yep. why, why oh, God. do you have God. the vSphere, uh, web client, the Flash base? That's the most asinine, they just made this shit, like, what, a year or two ago or whenever? Like, it, you know, they're, well, basically, they're forcing 
stuff out of the desktop client to be on the web-based uh, and to be able to use certain new features that are present in the newest version of VM uh, in, in VMware, you have to uh, use the web client. Uh, for example, um, deploying a OVA image, you have to do it from the web browser. You can't use the desktop client to do that. And you have to have fucking Flash installed to be able to use it. Plus, like, two proprietary plugins that are binaries that you have to fucking install as well. It's it's so shit. If you can't just do it all in HTML5, why the fuck are you forcing people off a desktop client? Because you still got to install the shit anyways on a desktop to use it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Juniper's... Uh network management software called space um it uh, relies on flash which blows my mind (laughs) good god like even java i can understand yeah fucking flash man yeah 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 exactly uh java yeah you yeah you can do a whole lot more with java than you can with flash um and yeah it makes absolutely no sense other than I, I, I don't know, just shitty developers uh, that would continue to use that, you know? Uh, maybe they There's just... There's like a Flash, ex- like a Flash Vuln and exploit release like every fucking week, man. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. That's one thing that Wirefall was uh, saying, because we were talking about how during CTF, so we should just, uh, like just set up our own fake CTF to divert all the attention to uh, so that people are trying to hack into uh, our our bullshit CTF when we're actually working on the CTF so we always win. <laughs> 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 and uh, he, he was saying how it would be so fun to uh, have malicious uh, uh, Java applets be on there for fake administration uh, consoles. And just to do that in a pen test, imagine if, uh, you know, because you, you got to install it and run it and shit. Imagine if it was, uh, uh, you know, vulnerable install all your creds. It was a modified version. Oh, man. That would be so great. Uh, Such would, a troll CTF. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so... Why don't uh, we move on to a? Hey, you, you should have you should have the, the you should have your flash exploits put the flag on the users' uh, machines. <laughs> like contestants' machines. Uh, that's it. Was excellent. there all along? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. Oh, man. Uh, you should have looked on the desktop this whole time. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, I got a news item here. Um, it's a little political for all of those people who uh, have been following the campaign trail. There's been tons of drama and mudslinging um, if, if you're following at least the the right. Of course, there's, there's that on the left, but not as bad. Um, one thing that uh, you have is kind of like the, uh, the yin and yang to Ron Paul. You have Bernie Sanders out there. Uh, and he's uh, doing his thing and surprisingly doing well. So with the Iowa caucus right around the corner and a lot of attention being brought onto it, um, there's one thing about this uh, that is occurring 
that maybe a lot of people aren't too aware about. There is a application that's going to be used um, during the campaign. I mean, sorry, not during the campaign, during the caucus, uh, where uh, they're going to be using a Microsoft-developed app. Oh, no. And it's it's a partnership between uh, I'm trying to find the company name here. I had it up, but whatever. Uh, it's it's Microsoft. I'm guessing Microsoft is providing the infrastructure side with Azure or whatever. But uh, there is a third party, another another company basically that developed the app. So these two companies come together and they actually partnered with both the Democratic and Republic uh, parties to uh, have this app platform which runs the entire caucus. So uh, they're separate mobile apps for each of the parties and then the uh, headquarter officials uh, all throughout Iowa are going to report the results there from each precinct to the party headquarters using this app. Oh no! Oh man! Fuck this, man! Fuck this! I give up. Yeah. So if you remember in two thousand and four, uh, <laughs> there was a huge controversy uh, with the left uh, being very upset over the Bush presidency and the potential there to sway votes with Diebold uh, Corporation's uh, voting electronic voter uh, system because Diebold had actually contributed money to the Bush campaign. Well, uh, I mean, what, what can you say with Diebold? They'll fix your ties. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's a clear con- conflict of interest. And when you're talking about voting electronically, that's kind of terrifying, especially if you go on YouTube and you see videos where uh, there are problems with the touchscreen interfaces on these voting machines, where if you tap the, the box, uh, you may be selecting the actual other option right next to it. Uh, so, <laughs> talk hey, about start tapping in the upper right corner. You might get the uh, setup screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> imagine that. Isn't that terrifying? That like you just have a shitty touch screen uh, detection there, and your vote goes for something you don't even agree with. Um, and of course, no one gave a shit in the government because their votes aren't being cast on these machines when they're uh, in Congress. So they don't give a shit, you know. Uh, I bet they would care if all of a sudden they go to vote yes uh, on the budget or against it, and then it's the opposite, you know. And that would be... <laughs> <laughs> that would change the game. But back to the point of this, it's kind of like a similar scenario here where you have uh, Microsoft employees who have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Hillary Clinton's uh, Senate campaign, um, which you know, uh, isn't directly the same thing here, but there's a potential there for a conflict of interest. And I'm not saying there is one, but it does give the possibility being that it is a technology provider who does lobby heavily on various things, um, being involved in a very important part of our political process here. And so the Bernie Sanders campaign... Uh, to uh, kind of help with uh, understanding 
what might actually be the true results are doing their own version of this without Microsoft involved um, to be able to verify that there's no fuckery going on um, with you the, know regardless with, if Bernie wins or not good guy Bernie I mean really uh, dude you you bitch so much about people who don't pay taxes. <laughs> and welfare like so much more than probably anyone i know that's not a herder redneck that i live with like this is uh appalling to hear you say something positive about literally the complete opposite of what you normally ramble on about well you know the world changes and uh, I, I don't know who I'm going to be voting for, but I've been keeping an eye on Bernie for quite some time. Well, there you go. Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, when the when all the Republican candidates are basically like fucking crazy. Uh, well, see. How much choice yeah. do you uh, have? You know what I bet <laughs> this is? If I have touchscreens, I'm voting for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Um, yeah, so when it comes to this, did, did you change your decision based off of looking at how much money you would personally be saving if you, if all of no, those no, plans No, no, that were... was like, that only came out in the past day or so. Yeah. I, uh, I've been, I've been watching Bernie and his campaign for like six months. Okay. I was just he's, making sure. He's not too socialist for you? Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> not necessarily that, it's just that he's not. Trump. Yeah. I mean, he's not. Or Hillary. <laughs> I mean, I don't love I don't, Donald Trump, man. I don't, honestly, I don't really want to, and we're going way off into the political spectrum here, but I don't really want a guy in office that behaves the way Donald Trump behaves. Yeah. Like like the world's biggest troll? <laughs> Honest, honestly, if we wanted the world's biggest troll, then we should have gone and grabbed Hugo Chavez when he was still around. <laughs> well, that's that's what a lot of people would compare. You know, it's this is so funny. Is that like Obama got all these things about being socialist, and you know, <laughs> like, and and, then he, and and now there's an actual socialist exactly, <laughs> and and people are just like, well, I don't want Hillary. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's funny <laughs> that I just I don't know. Uh, I just remember hearing how death to America if uh, Obama. Uh, is elected because he's a uh, socialist, and uh, you know that's basically what it comes down to. They don't care as much because uh, Bernie Sanders is white. There, I said it. It's the truth. Uh, even yeah. during the campaign, before it, the the nomination, uh, they, there was all of this fear over socialism in the United States with Obama, but you don't see the same cries over Sanders. It's oh, just because black socialism, I guess, right is. What worse than white socialism? No, it's uh, <laughs> when you're a uh, anti-white Church of Christ church attending Muslim who's not a citizen that is a socialist antichrist <laughs> that's also just so happens to be half black. That's when America just has a problem with you. <laughs> but well, uh, if if we want to talk about politics, I've got a news story. All right, tell us about it. Uh, it's about. Uh, Let's see. What is it actually called? I think it's a program called Anarchist. And this is something I saw on The Intercept just a few minutes ago. And the long story short is that back in 2009, 2010, um, the NSA and GCHQ 
were able to hack some uh, drone feeds from Israeli drones. Ooh. And as far as I've seen, it looks like these are just some more Snowden documents, but they're basically uh, we're watching Israeli drone feeds like the camera footage to get intel. And it sounds like it was actually sort of complicated, like they could get video and still images, and then they would have to do a bunch of processing to clean them up. But uh, just one of those interesting things to come out of the Snowden docs, you know, all these years after it started, which is this crazy sort of like military spying on allies where the U.S. government is, you know, taking a peek at what Israel's doing with their drones to see what exactly they're up to. What's funny is uh, it's the U.S., it's the U.K., and Israel. It's like, you know, they're all buddies, right? Yeah. It's just like when Whiskey Neon <laughs> goes over to Mr. Chin's house and <laughs> installs Justin Bieber Linux <laughs> and, and tosses his router. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how is your hypervisor, Colo, going? You know, I haven't. <laughs> Dude, that was like in episode six or something, man. I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so like for like any it. new listeners, uh, live on our show, Whiskey Neon uh, issued a denial of service attack against Mr. Chin's Colo. Because he wouldn't answer the phone. <laughs> but, but, but what Whiskey Neon, I don't, I don't think he knew, is is that the Colo was in process of dying at the time. The hard drive was failing. And uh, <laughs> I think there were there were binaries. I mean, it was up and running and we were using some of its services, but there were binaries that actually were yeah. corrupted by that point. It was running in RAM. It, yeah, it was running in RAM and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So Whiskey Neon <laughs> Dawson, <laughs> that was the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> I, had to, uh, I had to do some file descriptor redirection to get shit off of that. Like I couldn't open up any ports normally or anything. It was fantastic. Yeah, apparently I crashed the networking stack. I'm. I don't know. I mean, when I get when I get Blackmouth to take a trip to Dakota, when I'm actually ready to rebuild it, I'll have him take a picture of the screen or something. I would love to see what happened. I'm gonna go to the box and it's gonna be singed, <laughs> <laughs> smoking. Yeah, the, the Ethernet cord is just uh, the Ethernet uh, card is just black. <laughs> and, you, and you look on it and it, oh oh yeah. The limit was apparently six million packets, not nine. <laughs> but uh, that's the kind of fun uh, shenanigans you can expect on on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of fun <laughs> shenanigans, I got another story. Uh, uh, yeah, fun shenanigans. Uh, so this is a story about ISIS, um, or uh, they like to call themselves the Islamic State, or uh, if you're Someone who's trying to really stick it to them and call them Dinesh, uh, even though they don't care. Uh, but anyways, um, earlier this month, a uh, you know, if you're, uh, you know, there's different niche sites out there for different things. And uh, if you're in the military or follow the military, there's tons of different sites out there for you, kind of like blogs or whatever. Um, and one of them is DefenseOne.com. And, uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know, there's some bigger publisher that owns the site, but they cover a lot of, uh, you know, the various things in regards to, uh, you know, our, our national defense and technology and, 
and you know world news in regards to it and that type of shit. But they did a story from a uh, kind of like the jester. You know how he's got like a hard on for dosing uh, Islamist. Uh, forums for 30 minutes, uh, there's a ghost security group, our, our GS, uh, G, and they're a kind of like a, oh, I don't know, white knight, anti-terrorism, uh, group, and they told the Vince one that, uh, the Islamic State had a, uh, Android app called, I, I don't, I, I'm gonna butcher this, but Aurari, uh, and then it was their encrypted, uh, messaging app. And so they do this story and, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, telegram, uh, was one thing that, uh, this ghost security group said that ISIS members were using, um, and, uh, they said that they had also found this exclusive app that the terrorists were using to be able to, uh, communicate. So just from that... Uh, story. It was picked up by all the various news sites like they do nowadays um, and uh, made a big story out of this. Well, come to find out uh, if there was tons of people on the jihadist forums and websites and social media asking where the fuck they could get this app from. And no one knew where the hell to find this app at all. Like, there's nothing from uh, the ISIS official channels. There's nothing on any of the forums. No one has a copy of this application at all. Man, that uh, sounds like a great opportunity. Uh, it, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> let's let's uh, let's go ahead and make this shitty app real quick, guys. Uh, <laughs> let's deploy this out on some jihadist websites." Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, 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 then again, I don't really think that we probably want to touch any data that's being used for terrorists. You know, that's again. true. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, there's no, there's no real, um, there's no real chance in hell that this app actually exists. So, uh, in the app, the screenshots, looked so shitty it looked like someone went into ms paint took a screenshot of their android phone and then uh just made uh like ms paint boxes to make the interface which if that's really what the interface would look like i would laugh my ass off uh but it, it's really shit so uh it doesn't exist but it's just yet another one of those pieces to uh say oh hey uh, you know, uh, encryption is evil. We need to have back doors. Uh, you know, the crypto wars continue, and this is like one of those things that if you were Alex Jones, you would be claiming is like a false flag thing from the government to justify their things. But this is just a bunch of bad reporting. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, they should totally use something like Signal. And, and if they want to, uh, be able to still have metadata leak, but communicate securely, uh, I guess I just gave terrorists, uh, a tip there. Maybe that wasn't the best thing to say. 
like I, I'm pretty sure that that may be aiding and abetting, but that's I, I'm just making a general statement that. Fuck. Well, let's fix this by saying uh, <laughs> if you are a terrorist, you should definitely not use Signal ever. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. There. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. they should have a disclaimer when you open it up that says, if you, uh, are you a terrorist, yes or no? And if you click no, it sends you to uh, like the app. <laughs> if you click yes, it sends you to Google.com. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the the porn like are you over 18 or <laughs> are, are the if you remember the uh, the hacking sites that would have that stupid ass copy pasta that was like law enforcement it's like some stupid stature that didn't exist where law enforcement can't uh, like if you click enter uh like law enforcement can't prosecute anything that's on the site because you know <laughs> Uh, y'all had to remember those disclaimers on hacking sites years ago. Uh, Again, back and back page ads say no law enforcement. Yeah, no Leos. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but yeah, so uh, there's no ISIS encryption app, so we're all good for now. Uh, Black Math, why don't you throw a story in the mix? Um, I don't have anything super juicy. Uh, I had found the one that Mr. Chin found earlier about Oracle, which was uh, the most exciting news of the day. Um, of course, again, Cisco has uh, some patches to a critical flaw in its firewall devices. I'm not going to get into detail because this is just becoming a regular thing, and you can just look those up. Um, if you manage Cisco devices, you already know about it anyway. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, did we talk about Jeremy Hammond last, last week or the week before? No, we, um, we we were supposed to talk about... Yeah, actually, it was you who were supposed to talk about Jeremy Hammond. No, no it was me. What's up with him? It was Still Mr. Me. Chin. Okay, well, um, well, apparently on January 14th, uh, Jeremy Ham- uh, it was released that Jeremy Hammond... Um, the strange gender? Recent- what? No. <laughs> uh. he, was, he was recently <laughs> sentenced to 10 years in prison, um, but he'll be serving his sentence at the Federal Correctional Institution, Manchester. FCI Manchester. Oh, wow. Uh, where's so, the, uh, if you want it's to... It's in Kentucky. It's a medium security oh. prison for male inmates. For now? Was, well, where was he at? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. I just remember hearing he's been prison. in and out of the shoe for some bullshit i don't know yeah so is he still does that change how much time he's got left just is it like any parole shit i don't i i mean i think it yeah i think it affects your parole case uh your parole hearings but it doesn't extend your uh sentence any no Um, yeah i guess i think uh in 2013 he was sentenced to 10 years in prison and three years of supervised release Man, um, but he had been in prison since March 2012. Well, you know, I I, I don't know. Like Jeremy Hammond did a lot of things that were uh, for what he was doing, he shouldn't have done on the level that he like. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, Lulsec like, was just like get caught. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the OPSEC <laughs> failures that he did were significant and. You, right. you know, it's it's whatever if you're not doing the level of hacktivism that they were involved in. Um, literally just 
giving a middle finger to the entire world uh, and not thinking a little bit better about what they were saying and what they were doing, you know? Uh, just Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be what catches a lot of people. Yeah. Well, Barrett oh. Brown, uh, him being in jail, is actually pretty entertaining because of the stories that he uh, releases. He was originally doing it for D Magazine in uh, Dallas, uh, but now he's writing for The Intercept, uh, and his that's, prison stories are hysterical. That's his, uh, well, what's it called, like, arts and culture in prison piece or whatever? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, it's his, it's like the, yeah. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, like, regular thing. It's hilarious. Yeah, he has his own column, um, and he has told some incredible stories and all the stuff that he goes through uh, is just really, really funny. Uh, he even talked about the drug usage that he got in trouble for while he was in prison. You know, just <laughs> he doesn't care. He's just telling really good <laughs> stories. Um, there was one that made me laugh. It may have been the most recent one where they were out in a bus, like going somewhere, and they were parked in a uh, shopping center parking lot. And he says something about how the prisoners were, uh, his fellow inmates were talking about the women that were going into stores and their descriptions of just even like an ugly girl was just, you know, hysterical because they don't get to see any women ever. And this was like a treat for them. (laughs) It was, it's very entertaining. Uh, I highly recommend going out and, uh, reading his stuff, uh. You got you got an, another story for us, Mr. Chin? Uh, I do. It appears that um, one of the uh, cities nearby uh, Disneyland in Anaheim, uh, California, have uh, been using what's known as a dirt box. It's a phone surveillance device. And apparently this dirt box is considered a stingray on steroids. Uh, rumor mill indicates uh it can do full digital interception and recording and they've been using this for quite some time um i'm just kind of skimming go ahead are there are there details as to like what they mean by stingray on steroids like specifically or uh not that i'm immediately seeing um it looks like a beefed up uh stingray but i don't know uh capable full digital interception and recording. And then there's a bunch of documents here that I need to read through, but, um, that's, oh, so, so they do have like documents with specifics, right? Yeah, they do. But I don't have, like, I would actually need to skim through the PDFs and all that. Um, wow. That's, uh, shut up, whiskey. That's shut right. up. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so here, here's a here's an interesting uh little paragraph um wow uh i read uh, uh, okay shut up really seriously as reported in august 2015 a dirt box can simultaneously break the encryption of communications from hundreds of cell phone at once a 2011 purchase order for this equipment 
by the Washington Headquarters Services, a branch of the Pentagon, states the devices can retrieve the re encryption session keys for a cell phone in less than a second with success rates of 50 to 75% in real-world conditions. Wow. That's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's a pretty... You know, uh, Harris made the Stingray... I don't know, 10, 10 years ago. I, my, my old roommate had a Stingray uh, that he operated in Iraq. And, uh, you know, that was what the original design was for, was yeah. for military use. Uh, the real um, The real advantage there that it gave was being able to not just intercept communications like what uh, the police are using domestically, but you would jam cellular communications, and it's different models of the Stingray line, and this one's definitely for military use. I don't even know if they let Leos. No, they probably don't allow them to jam. I know the SEC would shit a brick. They did with Bart's in San Francisco years ago. So, um, but the military version. It would allow you to not only intercept, but jam communications, and that was really good for them while they're doing convoys so that you can't have a cell-activated ID go off or other potential RF. Uh, of course, they would resort to, like, wire triggers, um, landmine-style pressure uh, IDs, but and even remote control car, uh, you know, servos. So... Uh, but for the cell phone one, that was really, really uh, popular uh, using the Nokia. Um, you know, the shitty one with the snake, they would use that to set off IEDs, and that was uh, a very valuable tool uh, that is now used as a valuable weapon <laughs> against the, the citizens in our great free country. So that's crazy that they're, you know... Continuing on into new, uh, new, new uh, playing field here with uh, improved technology, and you know, you know, they pivoted now that we're not in an active war zone. There, you totally like put all of that R and D into, hey, let's make this better for Leos. You know. Oh yeah. So get used to seeing more of that. I'm I'm sure that we're gonna see something from Qualcomm. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, imagine how creepy it would be if the largest chip maker for our phones <laughs> was also making the devices to intercept the communications. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I've got uh, one more. Oh, let me let me throw one in because it's kind of goes into the whole privacy thing. Uh, sure. Tor Browser 5.5 was released uh, yesterday. So, um, some of the... The nice things. <laughs> is, uh, is this is my fucking cats again. <laughs> they like to make cameos on the show. Uh, this has got security updates for Firefox, and uh, they also um, put in a defense for font enumeration attacks. Uh, so that's going to help with uh, potential fingerprinting that can be done there. And uh, th there were some other things that they they uh, apparently did to help with fingerprinting. Um, and they also added Japanese as a supported language. So that'll be pretty awesome. 
and the uh, and this is just a no-brainer. They should have done this a long time ago. Their default search engine uh, is DuckDuckGo, but now they've finally changed it to where it's using their Onion URL, which they should have been doing years ago. <laughs> the first place. <laughs> yeah, kids, like, why the fuck wouldn't you do that at that point? Um, they've had the Onion URL since, like, I knew about them, you know. Uh, but tons of bug fixes and all kinds of stuff. You can get the full change log over at the Tor Project's blog at blog.torproject.org. So. Well, let's get uh, one last story. Who wants to do okay. it? Okay. I have a world record that's been broken. All right. Drum roll, please. The DDoS world record was broken in 2015 at a high of 500 gigabits per second. Was that Whoa. the uh, GitHub? Shit. Was that the GitHub? Um, it's not staying specifically. So uh, the Arbor Network's... Uh, 11th Annual Worldwide Infrastructure Security Report uh, contained this information. Um, in 2014, 20% of service providers reported attacks over 50 gigabytes per second, or gigabits per second. And then in 2015, uh, almost 25% reported peak attack sizes over 100 gigabits per second. So the average size has uh, looks like over doubled. Uh, but the record was 500 gigabits per second. Um, there are also attacks of 450 gigabits, 425 gigabits, and 337 gigabits per second. Oh man! And they expect it to uh, they expect it to grow even more in 2016. Yeah, I gotta love those fat pipes. <laughs> yep. That's insane. Fat pipes and more uh, larger uh, botnets. <laughs> 500 gigabits per second, that is... Nuts. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> I would I would just... Back up and go home. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my badge. I'm going home. I, I, I want to... Uh, I want to know, like, what... Like, like, what the size of that botnet is. I mean, oh, that... Shit. That is insane. How how do you even? God damn! I don't even know. Uh, that just blows my mind. Um, uh, I I I tried looking at this and uh, apparently I I don't know. Maybe it happened in twenty uh fifteen, but I'm looking at a twenty fourteen article, uh November twenty fourteen, and it's uh it was on a uh, it was hitting Cloudflare. So, uh, that, that would be, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they can handle that. I would imagine they could probably do that, but, uh, yeah, 500 gigabytes per second. If, if Cloudflare did not go down, boy, they just sold them themselves. I mean, they already do amazing, uh, protection like it is, uh, but wow, 500 gigabytes per second. Hey, could you imagine being in charge of that botnet? How Good that must feel. Wow. Start sweating, ready to hit that key. Oh my god. <laughs> Get a boner. <laughs> yeah. Boner and <laughs> like at, at that point it, it's like, okay, this has to be multiple groups working together. Otherwise you would hear about the size of DDoS attacks commonly. You know what I'm saying? Like why would you just do that once and not do it again? Um 
I do it during the Super Bowl on all advertisers' websites. Oh, here it is. Apparently, it was uh, actually it was uh, against a small target, um, <laughs> uh, a complicated <laughs> server in a Michigan data center. <laughs> Oh my God! No way! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. I'm referencing Mr. Chin's. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, not quite that much. That honestly, if it were that much, it wouldn't. It wouldn't just be a codicated server. It'd take out that provider. Oh yeah. Yeah, pretty much. No, uh, there's. Yeah. yeah, that particular provider has a capacity of uh, fifty. Really? Oh yeah. my god. Wow. No, it's more than that now, isn't it? Not according to Peering Glass. Jesus fuck, really? Oh man, How, what's their daily traffic then? I mean, that they have to be at operating at near capacity. They have to be. My I, god. I couldn't tell you. Dude, shared hosting companies can withstand more the traffic than that. That's, that's depressing. Ooh. Wow. You wouldn't say the name of the company? I do not. <laughs> all right. All right. We won't do that. <laughs> no, it's got to be more than that. It I has mean, to be, dude. There's no way that that's the maximum throughput. That's got to be what their their daily throughput. It's got to be at least that much. Come on, man. I, let me give me a minute. Well, I don't want to waste time on that. Yeah, I, I'll circle back around. All right, well, I, that was the end of the news anyways. Oh, wait, Zandy, why don't you tell us the Michigan man story since we're... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, looks like, uh, at least for now, Florida man has been one-upped by Michigan man. Uh, so let's see. The Michigan State Police Department said Tuesday that a man died after rolling his car on the ramp from the lodge to I-75 uh, was watching pornography. <laughs> Just, just watching pornography? Uh, well, I think there's uh, some more things that typically come along with that. I thought his pants were off. Yep. Oh, then you can just assume that he was masturbating. We're grown-ups here, Zandy. Yeah, yeah, this is a grown-up show. <laughs> yeah, we it's, have the explicit tag on our RSS feed. We can say masturbation. You know, it's NC-17. You know, as, as tragic as this is, I guess he... You know, at least he died doing what he loved. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or at least watching someone else do what he loved. Uh... <laughs> God, that'd be awful if he actually hated masturbating. It was kind of like a self-hate kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was God, exciting about it was, you know, living on the edge. Yeah. Well, well that's depressing. he was probably edging while he hey. came. Uh, in the... do, you, do, you think he, do you think he had a chance to... Yeah, I know. To come before before the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, imagine being the first responder to that one. Be I like, don't mean to laugh at, you know, somebody dying, but I mean, come it, the fuck on, man. He was trying to. Um <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you think about it, uh, if you think about it, like I have the creepiest boner right now. <laughs> if you're gonna die and there's different ways you can die, and and there there a lot of them aren't pleasant. And I guess that's not as bad as other ways to die. I mean, I don't know. Like I I've always said that I want to die either by being assassinated by 
the government in some kind of resistance thing. Not like, like you know, malicious shit. Just like, like dying as a mortar so that my, uh, my legacy continues. Or having a legacy of choking on a pretzel and dying. <laughs> <laughs> so... You just like, you just like, die at a bar. Just like, oh no, just yeah. Ever since choked on a pretzel, George Bush choked on a pretzel. So ever since then, I was like, that's how I want to die. <laughs> I'm eating of... pretzels right now, actually. <laughs> you better be careful. But yeah, it's just funny. Like, I'm I w- masturbating. <laughs> yeah, I want to die. Not driving. Yeah, I don't think he is. That's Mr. Chin's thing to drive during Shadowcast. Um, hey now. <laughs> but yeah, he. I want to die choking on a pretzel and he died choking his chicken so it all works out in the end (laughs) (laughs) all right so did you ever figure it out mr chin you've got one second uh all right thank you that's awesome information uh 41 is what i'm seeing dude i will find out for you right now because i'll get on their website and i'll go to their live chat (laughs) (laughs) how much of a ddos can you take uh we we cannot we we can only take eight million packets. <laughs> Anyways, my ad blockers are preventing their chat. There you go. That's a good for you because it's a sales site. Yeah. All right, Zandy. Uh, that, that, thank you for the Michigan story. Don't we have a uh, a story from a, a place called Florida? So, y'all have taken Uber, right? Yes. Yeah. Have you had Have you had any like really bad Uber experiences, like some crazy yes. fucking driver? Yes. Yes. Actually, uh, I, well, not the well, driver. Uh, I had a crazy, oh, well, shitty experience because I was Uber with you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, sitting on each other's laps. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone sit in my lap? I don't remember. I was not in a state where I could remember. I, I remember Mr. Chin sitting in someone's lap. I, I don't remember. It wasn't mine. Oh, Mr. Chin, whose lap did you sit I, in? I don't remember. It might have been, might have been Polygons. I'm not sure. Man. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. Jesus Christ. If you think about that, like, we can't recall who's who sat in whose lap. That was... Well, I was cozy with Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a, what a trip. Wow. And he was... Like, remember oh, he was yeah. so hammered. I was yeah. afraid he was going to vomit on me the whole time. Yeah, we were in Smart Bar in Chicago, one of the top-ranked EDM nightclubs in the country. And uh, we were, we had this swagged-out couch, uh, awesome lighting, awesome uh, DJ. And Ozzy was all over that fucking dance floor. Just, <laughs> like, in a different dimension it was insane (laughs) his eyes were glazed over yeah and he He, was he could play stand yeah he was just like floating around the dance floor (laughs) i honestly thought we were gonna get in a fight because he was gonna bump into someone and just cause it he went upstairs to go smoke and i got a text from him asking me to come out there i went out there and they wouldn't let him back in because he was so drunk. <laughs> Not like belligerent drunk, just like... Yeah, you would have thought he was on drugs, and it wasn't even drugs. It was just so much alcohol. Yeah, it was insane. But yeah, so 
Uh, tell us about uh, the Uber, uh, the Uber in Florida. What can we expect there? Well, you can expect getting a gun pulled on you by the driver. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so That's the, exciting. you know, so the the longer story is apparently this guy was like, oh man, pull over. I've got to throw up. Uber driver pulls over. He's like, okay, I feel better now. Didn't throw up. And there's some kind of altercation. I don't know what happened exactly. One guy got, the driver went around, pulled him out of the car. He started to get belligerent. And so the driver like pulled his gun on him. But yep, Florida. Florida's getting getting the gun pulled on you by the Uber, Uber driver. Yeah, that's that's a horrible thing to do because that dude now just landed himself five years in jail. Uh, Florida is a no tolerance three strike state with gun charges. You pull a gun on someone, five years. You uh, shit. What was it? Okay, there's three tiers. Well, I mean, if if you just shoot them and stand your ground, then you're fine. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah if you're gonna pull so, it out, I know, I know, it. I know. No, literally, that's that's the case. It's so preposterous. I think it's um, I, I forget, but there's multiple tiers. Five is maybe just showing your gun. Uh, ten is like using it in a threatening manner. I think. Uh, and then if you fire the gun and you don't hit the person. You're facing like 20 years in prison, but if you hit the person and it was self-defense, then you're free. So it's someone a home invader, home invader yep. situation, and you shoot to scare them away. 20 years in prison instantly in Florida. Yeah, because yeah. you're endangering others. It's insane. I don't understand was, the logic. Yeah, I remember there was a similar case with that where this uh, this woman was protecting herself against an abusive spouse, and she'd like shot at the floor or something because you know nobody really wants to kill somebody too bad but she wound up getting uh some kind of crazy jail sentence yeah yeah Uh, but no tolerance laws that's what they're all about but uh yeah lesson here is is if you're gonna hold the gun you better pull that fucking trigger you better pull that fucking trigger don't be a bitch you better hit someone yeah you better not be a bitch yeah what if you're a shitty aim wow (laughs) well (laughs) <laughs> that sucks. Hope I think, you actually hit somebody and say you meant to hit them. <laughs> I think the because first mistake... Because an accident will, will fuck you harder than uh, <laughs> an intentional shot. I think the first mistake in this scenario is being in Florida. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that too, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Zandy. Uh, so, moving on here. Let's talk about our main topic of the night, or what we like to call your mom. Come one, come all. Engaging your mom in three, two, one. Activate. All right, so phone freaking round two. Uh, last episode, we talked about the history of phone freaking, bringing it up, uh, bringing us up to the uh, beginning of the new millennium, and that's when everything changed. All of the fun analog ways of phone freaking officially died in 2006. So. Um, kind of before that, actually, uh, there was a transition that occurred. Believe it, it was it, it was in 1999 when a man named Jeff Pulver basically started what we know as VoIP today. Uh, he had this. Uh, what he called it was not VoIP. He called it Vaughn, our voice over network, and I think that's what the abbreviation stands for. At least uh, 
but he started really he, he's responsible for Voight being what it is today uh, because he was the early uh, guy into it I mean if you think about Voight in 99 uh, that's hilarious due to bandwidth constraints yeah. and uh, dial up yeah just the state we were in um, but he created a company uh, called Free World Dial-Up, or uh, later rebranded as FWD. And for at least us, and well, actually, yeah, the the phone freaking community uh, in, in a very large sense uh, loved this service. And it really sparked, uh, uh, I mean, it was a lot of amazing things happening at the same time, wasn't it, guys? We had Free World Dial-Up. Yep. And we also had Asterix come out. I think Asterix came on the scene in, what was it, 2004? Um, I don't remember. And, but yeah, around that time. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we have an open source PVX. We have uh, SIP trunks that are completely free. It's own little network of this. Think of a Skype-type application before Skype even existed. Um, but instead of, like, Skype where it's all proprietary, uh, a network that you can only use Skype clients with, you could connect via SIP, uh, and and that's where it flourished. And you had all kinds of fun, crazy shit come out of it. Um, later, just a brief, like you know, so I can wrap up. Jeff Pulver, um, which he ended up doing after Free Will Dial Up, kind of in the same time frame that he was still doing Free Will Dial Up, he started a company. That ended up being a big player for uh, VoIP in the residential sector called Vonage. So, uh, said Vaughn again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole uh, Vonage, if you think about it, Vaughn and Age. We were in the age of voiceover network. Real clever name there. Voiceover uh, Nage. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Free Will Dial Up, though, is where. We all just uh, fucking loved. Uh, we all had little PB. Well, I don't know about all of us. Um, Mr. Chin, you were still on dial-up. So. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we have to explain what free world dial-up like, primarily did. It, it offered uh, dial-in actual phone numbers that you could. It yes. was like a SIP trunk, so you could get an asterisk, an asterisk server and uh, use a free world dial-up phone number, and people could call in from their telephones. Um, you didn't have to use a SIP client. Yeah, is... yeah. You could do both, actually. Well, like, yeah. If you had a free world dial-up account, basically what it would give you was a number that... I can't remember how long it was or whatever, but if I remember correctly, it was uh, still like a 10-digit number. Uh, like a, I think Washington State was it? No, 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 no. Uh, not the gateways. No? I'm talking about the actual your account was a number. Oh, yeah. And, and it, instead of like a, maybe it was eleven digits, and instead of one, it was a seven. Is what would start off the, uh, the your account number, and uh, you, that was your account. That was your SIP account. That was your IX two account, and uh, then they had these. Uh, PSTN gateways, which were numbers, and they weren't just in Washington State. That's IP call. Um, but they were all over the place. And oh, that's right, IP call. Yeah, you could call in, 
and then you would just dial in the number of the free world dial-up user account number and you would be ringing that user now what was really fucking cool at this time was that there was all these other companies that were doing the same shit as free world dial-up where you weren't just you know they might sell outbound calls kind of like skype does today where you can have inbound and out down uh, outbound like an inbound did number um and for those of you who aren't familiar, d d direct inward dial number is sort of like what you know of as a normal phone number. Um, but really, uh, that's just a, a phone number. And when you're looking at PBXs, instead of individual phone lines, like you think in a traditional PSTN uh, sense with cell phones and uh, normal landlines, where each uh, line has its own phone number, uh, think of those if they were called trunks and with SIP you just have multiple trunks which means various channels of communication that you can talk on and a, a DID is a number that interfaces with the PSTN and so that one number you can uh, call in and you could have multiple trunks with only having one uh, not one number and on the inverse if you just had one trunk if you if you just had one trunk you could have 15 DIDs if you wanted and did various area codes that all still called that one trunk so so much flexibility with VoIP there um, but they they may have offered some of those services but they were still having these like inner network uh, communication so free will dial up I call another user and we can talk unlimited for free. Um, there would be another service over here that would do the exact same thing and have numbers and shit. And users of their network could call amongst each other. Uh, then they had peering that occurred between these networks. And that shit was insane. There was multiple VoIP providers out there that had peering. So if you dialed a, sp a specific, they all agreed on dial prefixes. And uh, you could dial uh, a certain prefix and then a user accounts number and they could be on a, a completely different VoIP network and you could call them as if you were dialing their phone normally and you had these PSTN gateways where people could call that phone number and input those same numbers and be able to call multiple networks and multiple users on all of those networks so that's how Mr. Chin, uh, that's how you called in, right? Uh, was by using your landline on a gateway? Uh, he went to grab a snack. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. But I remember, no, there were all these, uh, free gateway numbers all over the country. I forget yeah. who, uh, uh, set these up, but there was one that was a local call to him and he would call that number to connect to like, you know, the conferences we were on. But the thing was, it's free. But of course, you know, nothing is truly free, right? Yeah. You had like a, what is a five minute or 10 minute 15. time limit? I think it was 15, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So every so often, doo -doo, he'd drop from yeah. the conference. Hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you over listen. and over and over. We talked about this in episode two about the, about all the complexities that he had to go through with that setup but if you go oh, yeah. if you if you go listen to hacknip radio on textfiles.com you can actually hear him do a fucking podcast and uh 
you know, he would be talking on a conference, but he would drop and come back, and he's the host of the fucking show. (laughs) 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 It was so, so funny. Show, show, show. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, ah, fuck. I'm back. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, guys. You were right. I was was thinking of IP call, um, which... Apparently, it's still up. Yes, and it still works. I've used it. Uh, awesome. So, uh, and and that's really cool. Uh, so, if you so so let, let's let's go over some basics here. You have a VoIP based PBX. Uh, right now, you're you you know you've got shit tons in the enterprise sector, and you know we're not even going to touch on any of that as far as you know your own use. Uh, you know, you could go with an Avaya system, Nortel, Cisco. Shortel. Uh, you have huge, uh, yeah, Shortel's uh, used. Uh, what's the, there's one cloud one. I, I, I sat through a fucking confidential webinar with them. And uh, yeah, they, they advertise on SiriusXM. I forget what it is, but they have cloud in their name. Um, Digium has uh, a cloud offering with Switchvox. Um, so there's all those enterprise ones, uh, but Asterix, which is, uh, open source, uh, VoIP PBX software that is developed by Digium is free. You can use that real mature project. Another one is free switch. Uh, and, uh, that's just a independent one. If I remember correctly, uh, and I'm pretty sure I... I don't, I don't know, but I, if I remember correctly, Free Switch started as a fork of MonoWall, uh, which is a uh, firewall distribution that's based off of uh, FreeBSD, and then PFSense was a fork of MonoWall. Uh, Free Switch had its beginnings with MonoWall, so it was a very lightweight. Um, you know, you could run, and same with Asterix, you can run Asterix or. Uh, free switch on just commodity hardware shit that you don't even use anymore your old ass Pentium 4 uh, you can uh, run a PBX off of it may not be the best but you can still run one you can run it on a Raspberry Pi or you can <laughs> run it on a VPS um, the Shadow Systems PBX runs on a uh, a PBX with just 512 megabytes of RAM VPS uh, huh AVPS, AVPS, yes, uh, and so it's um, running. Yeah. Sp- speaking of uh, dropping and all of that, uh, Mr. Chin just said in the chat room, "Fuck my life." Uh, <laughs> the reason I said that is because uh, my the box that I'm uh, connecting you guys with keeps popping up and saying, "Windows has detected a problem with your hard drive." Oh uh, well, that's what you get for running Vista, dude. Don't toss it, whiskey. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't give me ideas. Oh. Uh, but yeah, actually, oh, no, I'm not gonna do it. I, I, I'm not gonna do it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I was really tempted. I was like, oh, how could I? Oh yeah, I, I can get his IP off of the server logs. Let me go do that real quick. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, so you you can run a uh, anyone could go and do this. It's it's actually not hard to set up. If you have uh, AWS, you can spin up an EC2 instance and have 
Um, there's multiple asterisk based and free switch based um, uh, images in the marketplace that you can just one click install and get it going. Uh, Are they free? Well, they're free app like the the virtual application. What the fuck do you call it in AWS? Like the the pre-built appliances. They're they're marketplace AMIs. Um, AMIs. That's the it. the so in most cases the software itself is free. You're still going to incur ECG utility charges. Exactly. And if you if you don't have an EC2 account and you know you can just sign up for the free tier and have a free low usage one for a year and you can run your pbx uh with that free tier usage uh for a year for free so if you want to get into what we're talking about tonight you can do it literally for free um i run the shadow systems pbx we have uh, a free switch one that's set up on a five dollar month pbx uh sorry vps and then uh the asterisk one is on a five dollar uh vps as well and then the Camillo, which is a another SIP uh, server. Um, I wouldn't really call it so much a PBX, but it kind of is one. I don't know. It's really complicated. That runs on a $10 VPS. Uh, so all of these things tied together, uh, you can do all kinds of crazy shit with them. And if you heard the beginning of uh, last week's episode, the intro, um, after the Redbox uh, uh the the whole red box call called into insomnia pbx (laughs) which you heard the ivr options and uh that's something that you could actually build and and run so uh we can go around and talk about the pbx experiences with free will dial-up um i remember i had uh i had an old like i mean just a shit system that i ran my asterisk uh, PBX on at some point I ran it on a WRT 54 G. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> um, it just sounded awful. Uh, it, but I had like an old system with 256 megabytes of Ram. Um, it was, I think a Pentium three, uh, with a, maybe a 10 gig hard drive. And that ran the PBX that I had. And I had, uh, I trunked that with, uh, Polygon's PBX that he had. And we called around to a lot of things, but we could do stuff with the IVR where, uh, if you called into my PBX, uh, it would, uh, IVR option, you could actually dial into Polygon's, uh, from there. So there's all kinds of really cool shit you could do. These are just hosted in our houses as we were teenagers. Um, and I, one thing I want to interject or, or kind of piggyback here, Whiskey, you know, it's 2016 and this sort of stuff just seems kind of commonplace. But something to keep in mind is this was back in 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was groundbreaking. I mean, this was I, it was game changing. It, it, it did change telephony as we know it. Uh, but this is when I mean, shit, you know, before free PBX was an interface for Asterix, you had, uh, what was it Astro- called? Asterix, Asterix at home. Uh, yeah. Asterix at home. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, that simplified the process. And Trixbox. It, uh, Trixbox. Trixbox came out later, didn't it? I thought the first GUI was Asterix at home. But yeah. Any, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I don't I think, think Trixbox tr- came out too much later though. I think Trixbox is actually a fork of Asterix at home. Uh, if I remember correctly, but who knows? 
the point remains is that this was a beautiful time. So you have, we talked about free will dial-up, uh, and then IV was mentioned, and that gave you the DID, the direct inward dial number, in Washington State, where uh, you could call from a normal phone, you could call this number, and it would call your PBX. So you had a free incoming calls unlimited to your PBX. Uh, and what was cool about that is that uh, it's it's still around. You can still use it today, and uh, you can have people call in, and you can test out your line and do all kinds of crazy fun shit with that. Um, it was kind of fun because people would actually put in forum signatures their IP call number and call into their PBX. Like everyone had a fucking PBX back then. That was like the thing. And uh, how that actually, you may be wondering why the fuck would they be giving away free incoming. Uh, phone calls. That's just insane. Well, due to FCC regulations after the uh, the split up of AT&T, there was different regulations that were put into place there to kind of even the playing field with your different phone companies. So, you know, even though AT&T uh, has still the huge infrastructure in a lot of places and then, you know, the baby bells that exist today, like Verizon soaked up a lot of the baby bells. Uh, that was originally, uh, what was it? What was it? What was the phone company that Verizon started with? There's the New York. Uh, 9X. Yeah, 9X. Yeah, yeah. And uh, GTE. Yeah, uh, GTE and, and uh, 9X and. Um, um, Amera. Ameritech? Amer Ameritech, yeah. I was gonna say Amerifuck, but <laughs> I was thinking of uh, the slang for the company. Um, and Ameritech came from Atlantic Bell, I think. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, so you know, all the baby bells got swallowed up by basically a handful of companies, and you know, Sprint was a long distance provider. They still have telephony infrastructure. It's just not as it's not used as much as it used to be. Um, but with all the baby bells, and there's still regional phone companies that exist today that existed for years. Like where I live, there is one that is, uh, um, like throughout the state of Oklahoma, there is one company that is operated by uh, the uh, one of the Indian reservations. Uh, and it started out as like some dude started a phone company in this town. And it just kind of grew, but it's a regional, small little company. And so they get special treatments. And when there are calls that des that are, are uh, like the destination is within that regional phone company, they actually get paid money by other phone companies for that call coming in. Because when they negotiate the peering, kind of like with internet, um, uh, you know, like your, your backbone providers like Level 3 has peering agreements with other companies and um, we've all experienced the drama where, you know, your route no, no longer works for that uh, whole half of the country or whatever because there's some, like, uh, you know, dispute with the peering agreements. Similar things exist for phone companies. So IP call actually makes money for all incoming calls into their phone network. So by providing this service, they're actually a phone company, a regional phone company that's there, and all of those calls that come in, 
they make money off of you making a call that to you is free if you have unlimited long distance, which damn near everyone in the country has now. So they provided that service then, and that was really genius of them to do that. And uh, they continue it today. They offer uh, free voicemail as well, uh, which again is the incoming calls are free for them. And I think, yeah, now a common thing that they're doing because they can get paid uh, for this as well is providing a free outbound 800 number calling. So uh, as it stands right now, you can kind of do what we were doing. Go set up an asterisk box, get an IP call number, and then you can make free uh, outbound 1-800 number calls. So uh, IP call was really cool. Can you set your caller ID? Uh, Yes, you can. Yeah, you can call ID spoof. That was the first thing I tried. And I called uh, the same ANI that we called uh, last week, 1-800-444-4444. And... uh, they said, uh, thank you for calling MCI. Our records indicate you are calling from 202-456-1414. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's that's kind of like, a, 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 I guess, a brief overview of how all of those kind of connected together. There was some other companies out there that provided uh, some really cool services um, Sip Phone was one of those. Uh, Michael Robertson uh, created a Linux distribution called Lindos. Uh, people may remember that from years ago. Uh, oh, yeah. And it ended up being sued by Microsoft uh, and became uh, Linspire. What was significant about uh, Lindos, though, is that they had an easy to use package manager that was a whole lot simpler to use than uh, others. Uh, and if you look at something like uh, the Ubuntu Software Center, uh, even though it's shit, that was kind of like an earlier, uh, you know, a predecessor, a spiritual predecessor, I guess you could say. But Michael Robertson, after the failure that was Lindos and then Linspire, uh, got into the VoIP. He made a, uh, a SIP client for... Uh, Windows that was ended up being released for all distros and even had a Windows client uh, and provided a um, a uh, a service around that as well. So uh, it, it ended up originally it was called SIP Phone and they had a uh, you could create a user account and be on a PBX network just like free will dial up uh, and then they restructured and named it Gizmo Five and. That was, it was really, at its prime, it was an, a, an exact uh, feature set equivalent to Skype, but completely um, open network. Uh, and then eventually, uh, Google bought them out, and it grew into what Google Voice is today. Actually, they, they actually just killed Gizmo. Oh, no, they killed Gizmo years ago, dude. It was the 2011. No, no, I know, like, they, like, it didn't turn into Google Voice. Well, okay, let, let me let me explain there. Uh, Gizmo Five had a uh, a partnership with another company uh, called uh, Grand Central. Was that not the name of the company? Oh yeah, Grand Central ended up being bought out by Google to become Google Voice. 
Right. But the but the Gizmo client, which I loved because it, awesome. it had like a built-in soundboard. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, they actually just killed that off, which was really sad. Yeah, yeah, it, and yeah, I mean, and it supported so many things too, uh, various codecs that were the standard. But um, yeah, Gizmo Five was awesome, and they had a. Uh, they had a shitty Java application for flip phones too that I used at some point. And I think a Palm on my Palm Trio, uh, I used the Gizmo client on there as well. Um, it was really cool because it, it not only used SIP, but it also had XMPP support too, which was a lot of fun at the time. Um, and, uh, but, but the reason why Google bought Gizmo 5 is because of their integration with Grand Central. Grand Central is basically all of the features that you see in Google Voice. A lot of those come from Grand Central. But Gizmo 5 provided the free uh, SIP gateway into Grand Central and added a lot of features to it. So the combination there was really a, a, a precursor to Google Voice. And... Uh, yeah, it was, it was super badass. Yeah, Grand Central was awesome. It was like the first fully packaged product, um, like PBX type product. And you had an, an inbound number, outbound number, voicemail and everything like that. And it was all free. Yeah. And I but mean, yeah. it was, it's Google voice. I mean, really they haven't done yeah, shit it's the exact with same it. Thing. Yeah. They haven't done shit with you really after they Google, Googleize the, the interface uh and and switched from using um what was uh gizmo 5's sip system they moved over to bandwidth.com uh, sip trunks and that was basically all she wrote <laughs> it was all done after that uh so yeah it was pretty crazy but Grand Central was an amazing product. Uh, all of these services that we're talking about were fucking incredible, and we actually don't have anything like it out there today. Nothing compares to all of the fun shit that occurred back then. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's talk about, now that we've talked about a lot of the companies and the offerings that were there that made all this possible, uh, let's talk about some of the fun we had with these things. Uh, uh, so, Mr. Chin, why don't you talk a little bit there? Uh, the the biggest thing that, I mean, aside from, you know, the, the IVRs and the PBXs and all that, the, the thing that always comes to my mind uh, are just the connectivity problems that I had. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of, honestly, a lot of my time was figuring out how I could piggyback connection to connection to connection to get in on whatever we were doing. Um I don't remember the service that I dialed into locally from a landline, but it was a, a SIP gateway. And uh, we've mentioned this before, but then I could piggyback from there into other services. But because it was free, I had a 15 minute time limit. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'd just be sitting there talking and I would just drop. I'd be back in about 30 seconds. And it got to the point where I would, I would enter, you know, the specific, uh, number combinations or stringing numbers into speed dial yeah dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but hey it was free and i was you know i was i didn't have a job or anything so you, you may now, do yeah like, you never saw this side of it mr chin but for everybody else you know we'd all be talking and like let's say you were telling us free or something yeah and every time man 
in the middle of you talking, and everybody just start laughing. <laughs> you missed out on on uh, a lot of that, but you were the the reason for it. So thank you. <laughs> and, and one thing that people don't really get, like, it's it's really cool of uh, people who are older, uh, like baby boomers and older, w- r- will have experience with party lines, you know. And they'll have these stories about it. Actually, in response to um, in response to last episode, I got a message from uh, Woody, and he told me that uh, I'll pull it up here. But a lot of people, uh, you know, would connect on these party lines, and then ham radio operators, uh, you know, Mr. Chin, he ran uh, the net during. Uh, during like storms and shit right yeah and so you know ham radio you get to talk to people not just locally but with weather conditions being right and solar conditions being right just ask like just you could talk to people all over the world just skipping like a mofo uh and that there's just something really badass about doing that you know uh talking to strangers in a completely uh, pseudonymous manner where you're just there and it's just like a group chat room. It's like IRC with voice and uh, you never know what's going to happen, who's going to show up. And uh, that was one of the cool things about those type of things with doing the conferencing. Uh, sure, with party lines, you could do that shit. Uh, ham radio, that, that's a lot of the appeal to it. Uh, even nowadays with tiny chat, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. lot of, a lot of people with tiny chat will just hop in a tiny chat and they're doing the exact same thing. And there was something really badass about being able to do that, uh, at the time. Uh, let's see what Woody had to say, uh, was, uh, he said that, uh, back when you could dial a number that was always busy and between the busy buzzes. You could talk to someone who had dialed that same busy number. I got a di- <laughs> I got a date that way once. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, and so the conference stuff. Uh, what what was so y'all were on the Insomnia PBX a lot. Now, how yeah. did y'all call into that one? Um, there was a there was an actual phone number I think, but yeah. usually it's uh, um. I think it's just a free world dial-up number or the SIP address. Yeah, at, at one point, there was the... Uh, the yeah, the inf- DIN, DIN, uh, DIN DNS well, URL. There was uh, the inter-asterisk exchange. Yeah, the EECS uh, protocol. Yeah. yeah, and uh, there was a... Uh, wasn't it just like a, a number? If I, no, no, that was like SIP. There was, at some point, I forgot what it was, but someone operated a, uh, a, a not like, I don't remember. It's been so fucking long, but I want to say that there was something with uh, EX that uh, you could have a phone number type thing that you could call. It was just like a global phone number system, kind of like the PSTN. Yeah. I remember like, I he used to recommend the, uh, connecting via EX because it was I think at the time it was easier or the sound quality was better maybe less jitter I'm not sure but um, I remember for quite a while that was the way we were connecting 
well, over like over sip. Yeah, yeah, it it was uh, it there was there was different uh, like basically with uh, EX you would have a uh, it was like UDP based like all all of them are, but uh, you would just have one data stream, and instead of uh, with like SIP, you have uh, multiple independent ones. So, you know, and, and then it was also binary based uh, as well. And so it's, it's completely different. It, you know, is binary encoded. It was just way different than uh, um, than uh, the way SIP works. Uh, but yeah, you'd have the phone number for that. Maybe a PSTN, you know, IP call based gateway, free world dial up. Uh, what was another method? Maybe another type of SIP trunking service. Uh, uh, did y'all ever get on Telefreaks PBX at all? No, I did not. No. Losers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was the one that, uh, that the Benrev crew was always on? Oh, um. God, what was his name? Uh, shit. And so Freak, Freak Factor and all that shit was on. Oh, yeah. Who ran the... Who oh, ran Not the Theory. PBX? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Theory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had a pretty slick PBX. Huh. Uh, you could you could even listen... Like, at the time, Benrev had uh, DDP Hack Radio, where it was 24-7 Shoutcast stream, which has hacker radio shows. And they would do live broadcast on the show it was really badass um and you could call into the pbx and listen to it that was pretty pretty cool and plus they had previous episodes that you could access via the ivr so you'd have an option and you could be like oh three for benrev okay and then you enter in the the episode number and you just hear it on the phone i mean it's it's like it's kind of like stupid (laughs) but it's also cool at the same time uh, that you, you have I, uh, the ability to do that. I, got, I have a story about that, a, a slight story. Uh, so um, back around that time, um, uh, and again, I was on dial-up in my, uh, my house at the time, did not have long-distance service, and I didn't have a job, so I couldn't pay for it. Um, <laughs> so, I, or, I mean, it had long-distance service, but it wasn't something that, you know, the powers that be were okay paying for on any sort of more than two second basis um anyway so <laughs> i i uh, the powers that be now um, we know why you're so cheap <laughs> <laughs> i i distinctly remember working with um not theory to whitelist uh the a few phone numbers that i would call from so i'd call the pbx directly and it'd give me a sit uh sit you know the three beeps and hang up on me and then immediately call me back so that I incurred maybe a one second charge. And it was completely okay for me to give uh, the powers that be like five bucks at the end of the month and call it good. And because it was SIP, it, was, it wasn't it was a big deal for PBX to make an outbound call to call me back. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Did you, uh, did you ever have uh, a situation in which, uh, you, like when you were on the phone and uh, someone else pick up the phone and start yelling at you to get off the oh. phone. <laughs> you, you were present for a couple of those situations. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. 
Oh god, I can tell you, uh, one time I was on the phone and I was, uh, prank calling this girl. I can't talk into too many specifics, but, uh, there was some ownage that had previously occurred and I was talking to her. And it was, uh, very entertaining. Uh, it was a group of friends, you know, and, uh, and then my mother gets on the phone and starts yelling <laughs> at me and says my full name. Oh. And get off the phone. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, shit. And then I started getting all these threats uh, from her boys. Uh, so, yeah. Good old parents getting on the phone lines while we're trying to conference and be little hacksaws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember uh, in the 90s, uh, using dial-up and I mean there's only one dial-up account that everybody used so only one person could be online at a time right and uh, dial-up was always you know it could be a little bit sketchy like uh, just all of a sudden you know no data and you'd have yeah. to reestablish your connection so, so you know something like that wasn't very odd and uh, <laughs> what I would do is like if you know <laughs> somebody in my household was up late playing stupid you know games online or whatever and i wanted to use the internet i would uh, just pick up the phone and uh i don't remember if it was just hitting touch tones or pretty much doing anything you can to interfere with the uh uh with the data communication and uh, they they just think that the oh yeah ser service is being janky so they try and reestablish the connection you pick up the phone and do you know just mess with them until they give up They're like oh fucking isb and yeah. then I get the internet. Uh, that's what I would do with my sister every time she got on. I mean, <laughs> I, I set on I set my ass on that computer and tied up the phone line all night, every night. Uh, any chance I had, uh, I was on it. And you know, she just wanted to get on to use the internet just to just to check her shitty email. Uh, You've got mail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just get on AOL for. <laughs> 15 minutes oh hell no i could not <laughs> let that happen and i would never forget like just blasting every dtmf tone i can as quickly as possible <laughs> and and just hear mom <laughs> <laughs> he's doing it again <laughs> uh, i uh i did not have any uh, siblings to compete with for internet but i was always trying i mean i live down in the middle of nowhere you know i, I black mouth knows what i'm talking about that area of of the state where i live is pretty pretty heck anyway um so it wasn't so much that i had um siblings pretty to hick. with very hick they still um, don't have broadband really yeah they don't that's true good thing for wisp yeah kind of um i wasn't competing with siblings i was competing with time um, the powers that be because they didn't understand what exactly what was to come and I don't, I'm not sure I did either but uh, it was always one of those always getting on the internet for the maximum amount of time that I could so I would know when um, they would get home I'd hear the garage door open and because it took an extra three or four minutes to shut down the computer, I wired in a, a toggle switch into the phone line so I could just flip the toggle switch and turn off the monitor and run over to the chair and be in the chair reading a book by the time they walked in the door. And I did that. And I did that. I shit you not. I did that for years. Yeah. 
I used to stuff a pillow behind the computer to muffle the modem. Which <laughs> is <laughs> 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 horrible for the computer, but I needed my dial-up. Um, my parents had the stupid idea of putting the computer in my bedroom when I was a kid. So, <laughs> yeah, that was not smart. Yeah, I was just online all night, and they would bust in and yell at me, and then, uh, you know, remove my privileges from the computer, change my AOL password so I couldn't get on, but then I would just log in as my dad, the administrator's account, and just <laughs> <laughs> have the internet. Like, he's not going to remember if he changes his password, so that's a safe bet. Uh, but yeah, good times. Not so much uh, PBX related or VoIP, but uh, no, but but related to times. phone lines. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing that was really cool uh, with those conferences is uh, being able to not only talk and and uh, chat it up, but also make calls and actually do phone freaking live with people listening and learning and collaborating on things. Oh, yeah. Uh, so many cool things have been uh, experienced on a conference. So that's why that show that we keep referring to, Freak Factor, uh, it existed. It was for that reason for people to just go and show off something that they did or make a prank call or social engineer uh, some you know company or, or individual uh, and, and you would hear this stuff in conferences all the time, but it wasn't recorded and published online in a format. So they called it the first uh, reality show for freaking or whatever. I don't remember what they titled it, but... It was during the time when that TV show Freak, Freak Factor was on. Fear Factor. Fear Factor. Fear, Fear Factor. Fear Factor, yeah. Factor, yeah. Like, yeah. Freak, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mixed up, but... And I think the logo they had fashioned to yeah, look just it was, like it, too. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty cool. All of those experiences with the conferences were a lot of fun. And just um, learning VoIP and making your own PVX and moving from there is just uh, really badass. And, uh, I, I don't know. It's just a lot, of, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And uh, there's still some things out there that you can call. There's a lot of different PBXs that you can call into. Eventually, we'll have one that people can call into. I've been paying for the fucking thing for damn near a year now. I have two phone lines, like DIDs that I'm paying for, that, <laughs> that just never finished setting everything up. But oh, I use it. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Anyone that's... Uh, been on the show basically has a SIP account uh, that can do outbound dialing uh, on my like, dime. <laughs> well, yeah, well, <laughs> I use it to uh, sometimes call the uh, um, the PLA PBX. <laughs> oh, okay. Just because it randomizes the outbound caller ID. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't really want my phone number being uh, associated. Showing. Yeah, showing up on those, on, you know. Yeah. Anything I, PLA re uh, related. I totally understand. <laughs> uh, here, Here's a little example for uh, people uh, of what, what, it kinda, what you can do with a PBX in a conference. This is what our conference is. So our earlier shows, uh, we had tons of issues. Uh, so 
Uh, it just it, it your quality isn't going to be as good as it can be if you have the infrastructure that a company like Microsoft has. Uh, so when you're doing it all on your own, it, it, it sounds good, but not when you're trying to record a podcast. It, it just sounds like better than uh, normal phone quality, but just not good enough to be on a show. But this is what our original first episodes were done on and uh the september 2015 episode of dha after hours was done using this conference line so this is what you hear if you uh if you are on that conference come to the conference remember that this is not a secure form of communication and may be monitored by unauthorized third parties have fun and do not get butt hurt now you have to have them say, uh, press start a uh, fuck quarter 365 in the ass. <laughs> Please say your name after the tone. Yeah, Coder. Coder. You are currently the only person in this conference. You are currently the only person in this conference. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And this is a common thing that you would see. That's why I put it on here is, uh, you could put whatever hold music that you wanted. So in, in the case of ours, I have uh, dual cores, all the things playing, and some other interesting songs. But yeah, you're waiting on the conference until someone pops on, and then when they do, you hear a bloop, and, uh, and you are talking to someone. So uh, back, back in the day, when we'd call into a conference, you'd have different, uh, different PBXs, would have different styles of doing things. So Insomnia had that amazing IVR where pressing star would fuck Mr. Chin in the ass. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How did that feel exactly? It was not comfortable. (laughs) And this is where our sponsor, Preparation H, comes into play. Yes, yes, it does. Um, If you're you're building a PBX, I mean, that can be a lot of fun, like uh, setting up the IVR and coming up with ideas for, (laughs) you know, what, what you can put. Uh, to entertain people, yes, and specific IVR menus for specific callers, and and yeah, you can even have hidden options. So when an IVR, when you call it, uh, it'll either be computer generated, like what you heard there was obviously a computer generated voice, but it was a wave file that's being played by the PBX. So that's something that you generate as a sound file. Uh, there's also ones that are scripted that are done using a, a, you know, you type it out and it's doing text to speech. Um, but you can have five. Yeah, exact festival. Thank you. You're going to have five IVR options, but only say one or, or four. And that fifth one could be, you know, like all of them are one, two, three, four. And your fifth one, it can be, you know, uh, uh, four, five, six. You you press that in, and then it can be a prompt for you to put in a passcode. You put in a passcode. Oh, and then now you can access another IVR, and from there you could have it be a secret conference line, or you could have an outbound dial tone, so it gives you um, the tone, and you can just have outbound uh, calls, um, and that can be handy for different situations. Uh, one one thing that you can do that I'm definitely going to be implementing on ours is where you uh, can press an option. It gives you a prompt. You put in a phone number, which is what you're going to call ID spoof, and then you dial in the number you're going to dial. So on the fly, you can pick up your phone, call in, 
you know, put in your passphrase, and then you uh, are able to color ID spoof on your cell phone without any apps, just calling a number from any phone. Um, there's all kinds of crazy shit you can do. Uh, yeah, you can even uh, have a, a hidden menu number or sequence of numbers that takes you into like the same conference that's spoken over the IVR, but you get like uh, moderator like right. permissions and stuff or. Yeah, all kinds of stuff you can do. Yeah. I think uh, Insomnia had, what, weather and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's really simple to, to tie in. You use Yahoo. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, those scripts have been around and work for years. Uh, some some things... I, I've done so many PBXs in the past. And uh, on episode 8, the Ken Saga, I heavily utilized <laughs> a PBX for all of those calls and recordings as you could hear on that episode but uh, the one thing that I didn't have on there and I just can't fucking find uh, the recordings uh, but I had a full IVR set up for him to call <laughs> call in and uh, it was like quoting um, uh, The Matrix and <laughs> And uh, and the Rob Dugan uh, Club to Death uh, would play uh, in the background, and <laughs> it was the whole blue pill red pill thing. So you press one to take the red pill, two to take the blue pill, and depending on that, it was like choose your own adventure story. And <laughs> so being that it, it's this guy, he called back and did every single possible option. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot what it was. Uh, depending on where you went, it would it would just say something really ambiguous, like uh, you you know they know you've chosen this and hang up on you, or do a busy tone, or or whatever. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, uh, I went through all kinds of different things and options. Uh, at some point I had call me maybe uh, be read to you um, fancy from Iggy Azalea uh, just all these things for him <laughs> to have to listen through <laughs> and he did it oh. and he actually had a notepad where he would keep notes of all of these messages <laughs> so you know uh, there's so much fun you can do with that and, and what's funny is I actually have a recording of of some kids who were uh, actually uh, scanning, uh, doing phone scanning, and they found my PBX. And so uh, I'll actually play that clip right now because I think it's really funny. And uh, I'll just do the brief. Uh, this is it with all of the music removed. All right, I'm gonna pause right now. All right, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's those kids enjoying the phone systems. Uh, but yeah, there, there's so much you can do when you do your own PBX, but that is just some of the fun of exploration in a kind of like if you think of in hacking, having your home lab. Uh, not really the same way, but that's uh, kind of like having your own phone freaking home lab. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. And one thing that... 
uh, was set up that we found out tonight no longer works, which is sad, um, was Project MF. So you know we talked about the blue box last week, and, uh, and that is a really big part of uh, phone freaking history. And unfortunately, since we're not old enough to have been around when you could actually use a blue box, uh, we could just talk about it and not actually have much experience with using the damn thing. So uh, what we have here is uh, what's known as Project MF, and it is a PBX that was set up for you to experience uh, what it was like to use a, uh, a, a blue box. So uh, what we're going to do now is call that up and uh, kind of show you what it was. It's broken now, but you can get the gist of how it was set up. Welcome to Project MF. Last update, Tuesday, July 31st, 2012. To end this message and go directly to a trunk, press touchstone zero at any time. Go forward. So this is a 2600 trunk, a vulnerable trunk, anyway. Damn. No, we got it to work. Oh shit. Who, who are you calling? I have no clue. Background. You should have redialing that number in and F, complete with the KP signature number start. And I'm wondering why it's using the signaling system that I was under the impression was completely <laughs> This is Joy Bubbles. Uh, they use it for like intercept now, like the What the fuck? The number you have uh, dialed see, not is perfect. not in service. Please check the number try and try again. So wait, what, what the hell was that first thing? That was Joy Bubbles. But yeah, if you can go in and play with uh, Project uh, MF, uh, you just get a phone out and dial uh, area code uh, 630-485-2995. So what you do is you need to be able to have a blue box ready and uh, you play the 2600 hertz tone to trip the trunk and then you can dial in uh, a list of uh, options that are listed on projectmf.org and you can play with it. Now this is all an asterisk uh, a PBX right here. So again, it's one of those uh, examples of where um, it's, it's pretty fun and badass uh, that where you can use asterisks to do something really cool. Uh, but yeah, so there we go. Do you have any, any other cool PBX related shit, uh, that we enjoyed or did? Oh, a lot of prank calling, man. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> technical about that, but it's all a good time. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say about, uh, you know, things obviously have changed over the years. We have a lot of different techniques. And, you know, we talked about color ID spoofing. Uh, before before VoIP really came along, uh, the barrier entry with that was extremely expensive because you would have to have uh, a pretty feature-filled PBX to be able to pull that off. 
and with a PBX that you know you download free telephony software you get just the right VoIP provider and then you can uh, you know control your outbound caller ID so that's something that uh, is definitely worth looking into and playing around with and uh, that wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for uh, VoIP uh, you know, making it to where anyone could just use it as, as a commodity. Uh, another thing with VoIP that you can do that we talked about previously is with war dialing. Uh, a part of uh, the Metasploit project for a while uh, has been Warvox, and that was a program developed by HD Moore. It uses uh, uh, IX2 uh, to. Uh, you basically have an IX2 provider. Uh, good luck finding one nowadays. Uh, but uh, this application allows you to word, word dial using SIP. And there's some issues there that Wirefalls talked about where he, when he was doing pen tests using word dialing, is that the results that you get from that application aren't as accurate as uh, a dedicated landline and modem like in using ToneLock. A lot of that I would have to assume is probably partly due to the software, partly due to the fucking provider, and also partly due to the codex. Um, but it's still an option out there. One thing that I suggested was instead of trying to find an IX2 provider, um, you could just uh, have your own PBX set up and get a SIP trunk provider like a good one like bandwidth.com uh, and have their SIP trunk uh, and... You just have a IAX2 trunk available just for your Warbox uh, scenario. So uh, that's one cool thing that you can do uh, using APBX. You can war dial off of the son of a bitch. And uh, it's not so relevant anymore to find terminals. But if you're wanting to do war dialing, that's one way to do it over SIP. So uh, it's definitely a viable option. One thing that I've played a little bit with and uh, will continue to have to play with is actually using a cell phone as a SIP trunk. Uh, well, not necessarily a SIP trunk, but a trunk for your Asterix PBX. There is a module that you can enable when you're compiling Asterix uh, that enables Bluetooth support. So you can connect your phone via bluetooth to an asterisk pbx and use that as a trunk and we've uh yeah. and, and you and i have, have talked about this a little bit but that has a lot of um potential use cases oh yeah and one, one that i'm looking at here is uh i have a burner uh that is a t-mobile shit phone and uh i have T-Mobile's network, so I have no reception uh, ever uh, outside of being in the Metroplex. Luckily, uh, T-Mobile has Wi-Fi calling on uh, their phones, so that's the only thing that makes this damn thing usable for me is being able to use Wi-Fi. In that sense, I feel like I'm Polygon where I could only make calls <laughs> over Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> my reasons are for lack of carrier, not because he's a, like I'm a cheap bastard. So, uh, what what I've looked at with this was thinking of, hey, uh, I could use this uh, phone in a Faraday cage with a Wi-Fi dongle and a Bluetooth adapter, 
and uh, route my call through a VPN provider, uh, you know, for the internet yeah. connectivity for the Wi-Fi calling, and use this as a uh, a trunk <laughs> in a Faraday cage. I don't know. Then, that's that's something uh, I want to try out. And then if he really wanted to get, I mean, there are other ways to get creative with that. Just kind of use that as a base and build upon it. But I think that's a subject for another time. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that you can do with a PBX is actually pair it with your phone. Now, the compatibility is going to vary from phone, from phone to phone. Uh, old school flip phones will work uh, relatively easily. Uh, newer phones, smartphones, Android seems to have better support than iOS. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can definitely look into that. And you know, if you're if you've got a Raspberry Pi, uh, one, two, or uh, what's the new one? I forgot the name of it. Is it is it are they zero? Zero, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can run Asterix on any generation of Raspberry Pi. Uh, so go buy one, set one up, and you can actually set up a PBX and play with this shit and. Uh, if you have a landline, uh, then you're old probably. So, uh, <laughs> so, so look at this as like a fun little project and save some damn money. A VoIP provider and just buy a, a really cheap SIP trunk and you can eliminate the cost of a landline. But hey, maybe you like having a landline. You can buy what's called a FXO adapter uh, from Grandstream for really cheap. Uh, and uh, you, you can have FXO and FXS. So FXO connects to your plain uh, stupid uh, telephone, uh, and, uh, and then your uh, your FXS will connect to your phone line, like a like an analog or a normal phone. So you don't have to buy a SIP phone or whatever. You can have uh, ATA adapters uh, that are relatively cheap and uh, use a, your old school uh, cordless phone or your normal phone that you use today. Uh, you can have it uh, turn into a VoIP phone with a, an adapter connected to your PBX and you're good to go. Uh, my I'm guessing that's how uh, RBCP does the bold voicemail yeah. hacking stuff. Yeah, 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 and just a series right, of right. ATAs. Yeah, answering machine that voicemail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Do you have the number for that? Yeah, I do actually. Um, it's uh, the Phone Losers PBX. There's a in the IVR. There's a menu option to uh, hack the answering machines, um, and he has I think nine old answering machines set up now, um, and you can try hacking into them. Uh, but the number is area code two zero six four two four. 8422. There's other stuff too, like uh, Dial a Prayer and Choose Your Own Adventure and shit like that, and a conference. Yeah, it, it's uh, go over there and check that out because uh, what he's doing there is that that IVR, when you're going to the uh, voicemails, that's another menu option, and each number you press, it's actually dialing an extension on the phone system. And that goes to an analog telephone adapter, the ATA, and that's what enables uh, that whole system to work. Uh, so to really see a cool feature, that's a good way to go about doing it. Um, one thing that I've been uh, playing around with when we get this PBX set up, uh, I used to run a dial-up 
uh, VBS back in the day. Uh, like for a small period of time, I had one set up and uh, it's on a Windows 95 box. I still have it. It's like like 20 feet away from me. So uh, old Packard Bell machine. Uh, oh. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty badass. Uh, so I, I want to put that up, but the problem with that is with dial-up connections uh, over VoIP, it's not really the, the most stable thing. So we'll have to tweak with that and play with it a little bit, but I definitely want to have that be an option for people to actually dial into a, uh, a PBX, and I'll be using an ATA to make that happen if I can even make it happen. Um, and there's, uh, but for uh, a use case for a normal person, uh, my uh, my parents, they, I, ha- I actually was, what I did for their phones is uh, they have a SIP trunk and it's uh, connected to a, uh, right now it's it's on a, uh, a VM, but uh, it's running a Asterix PBX. It's going to be soon replaced with a Raspberry Pi 2. <clears throat> but uh, a, a call comes in on the SIP line and it goes to the PBX and it immediately goes to uh, an extension that's set up. And that extension uh, calls the ATA adapter. And what's what's uh, fun about this is that uh, I don't have it going to a phone. I actually went out to the TNI can on the side of the house and unplugged all of the telephone company's lines coming in to the TNI. <laughs> and that's the extension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have I have the ATA hooked up directly to their to their TNI can. So every single uh, phone jack in the house uh, will will uh, be active and work. Uh, I don't know how many phones you could actually have plugged in with one ATA uh, trying to power the entire, uh, you know, house's uh, phone lines, but uh, that's something that you can set up. And actually with these ATAs, you can have multiple extensions configured. So if you wanted, you could have multiple SIP trunks come in and, uh, uh, to one ATA if you so desired but there's yeah there's so much that you can do a lot of home projects uh, I know Mr. Chin has uh, talked about he's got a pay phone yeah and, I do and getting that set up with the ATA on his PBX that will then tie into all the sorts sh- of other things yeah the shadow systems PBX so uh, I don't I I don't know I mean I'd like to get um, a DID for the pay phone or you know like a DID for my office with a hunt group or something Right, right. With a, a payphone really being... I mean, the payphone's a novelty. I think we all understand that, but it'd be part of the ring group or something. That'd still be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, then there's... Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, there, there's just so much. The, the possibilities are endless with what you can do. Uh, one thing I have... Uh, oh, the call I just did into our PBX, into the conference line, that was done using my cell phone, using a uh, SIP client, CSIP Simple. So, uh, you know, you can, you can have apps on your phone that if you're on Wi-Fi or on your cellular data, you can call into your own PBX and, uh, you know, not even have to use minutes, uh, as if that's a problem anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, minutes well, are free. I mean, Data's not. I mean, you know, if you're Polygon, that's a concern. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? He can actually, since he's just doing Wi-Fi based calling all the time, he could just get a a PBX setup like in the cloud and pay the the SIP 
you know, fees, and, it, and then he wouldn't even have to have a yeah, cell just phone. Just use service. AWS free tier for a year, and then yeah, yeah, he could literally have free phone service if he if he knew enough to do it. But uh, yeah, so that's I guess that's kind of like the whole fun with PBXs in a nutshell. There. Uh, yep. Uh, one thing that uh, I will recommend here is. Uh, is uh, this blog called nerdvittles.com that's uh, nerd v-i-t-t-l-e-s dot com this dude Ward Mundy has been fucking with asterisks for years and that blog has thousands upon thousands of articles about all of the fun and cool shit you can do with a PBX um, he created PBX in a Flash, uh, an incredible PBX, which are two distributions uh, that are hardened uh, PBX solutions. And PBX in a Flash is a distro that's based off of CentOS, and yep. it's hardened. It's got all of these great security features put in place and options right out of the box. Incredible PBX is uh, an add-on on top of that in which you can get all kinds of fucking features that make it really easy to implement but you only get like a free uh, updates for like i think it's 25 updates that you get for free and then you have to pay like 20 something bucks a year it's not crazy but you can actually implement all the stuff that's on on uh the incredible pbx for for free it just makes it a whole lot easier if you're new to all of this so definitely check those sites out and and spin up a pbx of your own and and let us know and and we'll like never call you on it but we'll give you a high five <laughs> <laughs> that first thing you do is set up uh, an ivr option to directly dial uh, mr chin yeah and if you want mr chin's number it is uh 202-456-1414 so that's why i always <laughs> Oh, that's why I always use that number. Just giving it out to everyone. <laughs> so call it up immediately upon hearing this, please. And let Mr. Chin know that you want to fucking kill him or something. I don't know. Fuck him in the ass. Yeah, just when, whenever the phone picks up, before you say any, like, hear anything or whatever, just make sure that you say, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> That's my recommendation when you call 202-456-1414. Oh, God. All right. So let's move on uh, and move on to our subject matter expert on our uh, other section here. Zandy, are you still awake? Uh, a little. What did you think of all of our fun talks about PBXs? Uh, that was pretty crazy stuff. It's a bunch of stuff I didn't know because I've never like been involved with any of the whole PBX thing. Some really cool stuff you can do with asterisk. Yeah, yeah. A shitload of acronyms I never knew about. <laughs> well, All that shit. <laughs> like well, IVRs cool. and ATAs and whatever. I don't know. I didn't do phone stuff. Well, you did do phone stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the phone stuffs? Oh yeah, so the little bit of freaking that I kind of have experience with, and I'm by far not an expert, is I have played around a decent amount on uh, CDMA phones and Android phones. 
and there's some fun stuff you can do there. As far as the Android, I'm not going to talk about that much because, I mean, it's basically a computer. If you want to have fun, you can go check out reversing Android apps and stuff. It's, it's pretty easy. But as far as the actual freaking side of things, there are some, a few fun things you can do with CDMA modems because what will typically happen is um, uh, dumb phones and smartphones alike will present some kind of serial over USB interface. And this is used a lot in, you know, like programming phones or maybe, well, sometimes flashing, but interacting with the modem. Um, and with CDMA, with, uh, unlike GSM, GSM stores a bunch of subscriber settings and modem settings, or maybe not modem settings, stores a bunch of that stuff on the SIM card. But with CDMA, all of the radio calibration settings, uh, network settings, and subscriber information is on the CDMA modem in things called NV items, uh, non-volatile memory. And there's a bunch of fun things you can do. In fact, I think there's an interesting document somewhere from Qualcomm that uh, describes the protocol you use to communicate with the modem uh, over the serial channel. But there's there's some interesting things, like with CDMA, for example, uh, the thing that identifies your phone is the MEID or the ESN. Um, so any modern phone is going to have an MEID. The older ones only have an ESN, which is basically just a uh, shorter identifier. And then, you know, have more phones, just like we've got more computers. And so you've got to have a longer identifier. Um, but that kind of serves to uniquely identify the subscriber in the network. So what you could do, for example, if you had the information is take the MEID, MDN, and min of a subscriber loaded into a modem and have a, uh, you know, hopefully working phone under that account. But it kind of gets a bit fuzzy. And uh, there's all sorts of things I'm not remembering right. But the interesting thing is there with CDMA, uh, some of these NV item settings are locked down. So you can't just directly write them. You have to enter the SPC, which is a three digit code. Um, if you call up your carrier, you can get it. Uh, there's possible ways you can kind of hack around it and get the access anyways. It might be defaulted at like six zeros, for example. But what you can try to do is send that SPC to unlock the phone and then try to write the MEID or the ESN fields, which are typically locked down because uh, you can apparently use those to commit fraud. Of course. I was hoping you were going to get to that, damn it. Yeah, it's uh, I guess it's a bit tricky, and it starts to involve some network stuff that I don't don't really know. Like, I think with Sprint, uh, they actually have their own subscriber list of MEIDs and ESNs that are allowed on the network. So if you don't know one, then you just don't get on. Uh, uh, as far as I know, I, I'm probably a bit fuzzy on some things, but from what I recall, uh, all it really takes to get some kind of Sprint phone working on Sprint's network. I mean, aside from other more complicated shit, uh, if you want to change, for example, the account the phone is working under, if you have some way to write the MEID or the ESN, and you also have an active accounts uh, MEID, MDN, and MIN, 
then you should be able to just load all of those into a modem and have it work. But uh, your mileage may vary. I'm probably forgetting things. Oh, wow. So uh, when, when you were working with this stuff, uh, what was something that was really cool that, uh, I don't know, that you would find surprising, like for people who, who hadn't had the experience that you've had, what would be surprising, like a cool feature or something that you could do other than that? Um, geez, let's think. So one of the kind of sub protocols of this communication protocol had to do with, uh, interacting with the EFS, the electronic file system. And so what'll happen is the modem will have some files and stuff. Uh, it has its own little file system. And there's a few tricks involved in that. Like one trick is if you want to try to overwrite the SPC, for example, or overwrite the MEID, it's possible that there's gonna be a file accessible through the EFS that stores that number in it. So hopefully you can find the file and overwrite that file with new data to change the MEID or other settings without actually needing to unlock the phone with the SPC. Um, that was a trick that worked sometimes, but it starts to get into a phone by phone basis where some phones it works, other phones it doesn't. Um, ah. There's a shitload of NV items that you can read and write, and I'm sure if you write some of them you could probably fuck up your phone like if you, <laughs> if you if you wipe out the radio calibration data that's gonna fuck up your phone uh, if you accidentally wipe the esn or the meid you know that's gonna fuck up your phone um yeah there's so much stuff it's all coming back to me yeah uh, oh, so uh you were you're you were dealing with uh like what, what operating like Symbian based or what operating system were you dealing with? Um, I dealt with Android a lot, but okay. we also did some stuff with uh, dumb phones, and I don't know what fucking OS they had on them. All I had was some fucking, you know, flat binary blob that was the ROM, uh -huh. and mostly didn't touch that a whole lot. It was a pain in the ass. Mostly focused on interfacing with the modem over USB, which um, if you are, if you're interested in trying to do any of that, I would recommend starting to hunt around for different uh, uh, PSTs, phone support tools by different manufacturers like uh, Samsung, LG. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So you could look up uh, Samsung PST, for example. Um, you could look up LG Download or LGN PST. LG, LG PSTs all fucking suck. Um, <laughs> you could look up Chameleon. Uh, you could look up CDMA Workshop. CDMA Workshop's a really badass piece of software. Um, but that, this, so CDMA Workshop implements a lot of that, uh, modem interface protocol sort of thing that I was talking about where you can read and write NV items, mess around with the EFS, try to change the MEID and the min, uh, load a different PRL on there, all sorts of fun stuff. And it starts to really get over my head as far as the actual CDMA network works. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, did you ever, uh, did you ever put in back doors? 
Uh, it's a lot easier to do in the ROMs. Right, of course. So, so, <laughs> so what? What? Uh, when you're interfacing with the modems, what chipsets were they usually? Or did you, did you even get to see that low into it? Well, what do you mean? What what chipsets? Because a lot what, of phones like, used Qualcomm, like yeah, a shitload. Yeah, the baseband, um, yeah. So the vast majority, I believe, use Qualcomm. There's other ones where it's like some off-brand chip, like Via. Maybe I don't really know brands, but uh, they would have a compatible protocol for the most part. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but if you if you're really wanting to poke around with this stuff, you'll want to you know you'll you'll get a phone, you'll get some kind of phone support tool. And some kind of USB debugger can be really helpful because if they're implementing some kind of either custom protocol bullshit or something you just don't have documented, you can start to pull it apart with a USB analyzer. Um, ah. But something, if you start to look into PSTs, first off, like CDMA Workshop, if you're willing to pirate it or buy it, it's some pretty solid software and will do a lot. But if you're gonna hunt around for actual PSTs from OEMs then something you'll notice is you'll often need both drivers and DLLs for a specific model of phone like you'll, you might have some LG shit phone that uh, you want to flash firmware on it or change some settings with LG download so you'll have to go find the specific DLL for that phone you'll have to go find the specific drivers for it you might even need to get some special, with, uh, particularly with LG, you might need to get some special cables with like 910K resistors in them just to get it into the proper modes, but it's wow. a whole clusterfuck. LG sucks. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, did you ever do anything with like the, uh, I mean, you're, you're just basically dealing with, you know, programming uh, on a, a different level. Did you ever do anything with like the, the codecs or play with those any oh for the actual like voice no yeah, okay. I, there is stuff in there for it i think yeah. but i never played with it because i just you know i didn't want to fuck it up i just didn't touch it <laughs> yeah oh with the codex there's uh there there's different things there that uh happen with cell phones that you can that you can fuck with like and it, it carries over with voip a lot of these a lot of these codecs that uh, you see, like U-Law and A-Law, those are the codecs that were developed by, uh, uh, well, I, I, I believe it was Bell Labs uh, for uh, the, the public sw uh, switch telephone network. So uh, when, when you look at phones, like cell phones, the codec standard there is GSM, uh, go figure, right? Um, <laughs> uh, th that they would call it the same thing, but there's different types. The original uh, one, well, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's original. It's the the oldest one that I'm aware of uh, was full rate, uh, you know, the full rate GSM codec, which is what we call uh, GSM basically, and uh, it's commonly used in VoIP as well because uh, it is a very very low bit rate codec. That's why you know cell phones sound shittier than uh, landlines do are uh, well used to is because the GSM codec was a much more bandwidth uh, efficient where you're looking at uh, like 13 kilobits per second you know uh, and right. you know, there was a, a an enhancement to GSM called enhanced full rate or GSM dash EFR uh, that had a, uh, a better quality uh, there where uh, 
you know, when you're looking at AMR, the adaptive multi-rate audio codec, uh, it, it was comparable there. And so your newer, older phones uh, would use enhanced full rate. So one cool thing that was fun with the older Nokia phones was the secret codes that you could put in. Uh, oh, yeah. And so there was different things like star pound, zero six pound would give you the IMEI. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, there's all kinds of useless shit, really, that you could put in there. But uh, star pound, 3370 pound would enable you to turn on the better codec. So you would be using the shittier GSM codec, but if you wanted to have a higher quality codec, you could put that code in and turn it on. So it was star pound, 3370 pound to turn it on, and star pound, 3370 star to turn it off. Uh, and then you could also, you know, use star pound 4720 pound to uh, turn it back down to GSM. So you can switch back and forth on the codecs using codes. A lot of a lot of those flip phones, the dumb phones as we call them, uh, uh, had se- secret codes that you could type in to do all kinds of shit like that. It was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, there was one... Uh, that you would, I, I, I want to say it was easier than uh, this one, but um, star pound 7780 pound, if you could trick a friend into putting that into their Nokia phone, it would reset their phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's, you know, that's that's still around. There's a bunch of those in uh, Android phones and a bunch of other phones. It's still a bunch of the same things, like, I think uh, star pound, star pound, and then the SPC, and then pound star, pound star. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of fun dial codes like that, and you can find a bunch of them online. Some of them, similar to the modem, uh, similar to the codec thing, they'll unlock like engineering menus where you can fuck around with stuff, and it's a lot of fun. Samsung has, I wish I could remember the code, but they've got a fun little debug menu you can get to like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do. Uh stuff like uh like the one with that i mentioned to reset your phone you would try to get people to put in uh the star pound seven seven eight zero pound uh on the nokia with android it's uh star pound star pound seven seven eight zero pound star pound star so i just lengthened right, it a right. little bit and that's a, a reset um and and the the real one that we that you should totally try to convince someone to do <laughs> It's star two seven six seven star three eight five five pound, which completely wipes your phone out, including the firmware. So, oh my god, <laughs> I'm gonna have to find a spare phone to try that on. <laughs> Shit, you know what would Ooh. be great is to uh, color ID spoof. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that would can, be interesting to try. I'm gonna. Can have you to spoof do. those characters? Uh, I don't. No, no, you cannot actually. Yeah, it doesn't. Damn it, it. It doesn't allow that. As far as I'm aware, I do not think so. No, I don't think that the characters are available for the uh, the transmission that occurs uh, for that. Uh, but um, yeah, there's all kinds of little codes that you can still put in. Uh, and uh, I don't remember what the... Uh, what what all else there is? It it also depends on your um, on the manufacturer and the carrier too. There's different things that you can do there. 
but if you Google your phone and, and try to look for the codes, you can uh, you can find some interesting things out there. So, uh, yeah, some something else I was actually talking with somebody about earlier today was uh, so you've had those dial codes kind of hold over from old phones, but something you also uh, something I've noticed on Android phones poking around at the radio from the operating system side of things is there will typically be some kind of device file that is, you know, here you are talking to the modem using AT commands, you know, just like from 30 years ago to set up calls and, you know, poke the modem and have it do different things. Yeah, it wasn't that actually something that was with a recent black phone vulnerability was that exact uh, poking around with these uh, old ass codes. Uh, you had to have shell access on the phone, which means that you would have had to have been an idiot or or, or something. You know, it wasn't just like you. Could, it wasn't like a, a remotely. Uh, you could just know know a phone number or an IP address and do it. You had to actually run something on the phone itself. But but you could do a lot of those functions. Uh, there's there's so much that can be done with the cellular space. You know, back in the day, uh, with cloning, hell, even using a scanner. Um, I remember when I was younger, I used to fuck around with, uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Like, nowadays you use it for free-to-air satellite, uh, but the big-ass dish that would move around and stuff, or you... Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I could, I would just spend hours upon hours, uh, catching wild feeds and, uh, watching just, you know, the wild feeds, uh, were... Like save when you're when when they're doing the sal satellite shit uh, for the networks and they have some some asshole out on the campaign trail and they are sending the video feedback to uh, the network. They would be on a channel on like one of the Galaxy, uh, you know, Galaxy 19 or whatever, and or Galaxy 8 or something like that. R right. It would just be on some satellite, and if you could. Uh, get on that channel you could actually watch the the raw unedited behind the scenes uh wild feed is what they're called that you could uh see and, it, and nowadays you can't do that because they encrypt it uh but when i worked at a tv station uh obviously uh it was decrypted there and we could actually see the network feeds the the wild feeds there uh, in the racks uh, in the server racks there in the production area, um, there's like a full rack server that just did nothing but decoding the HD uh, satellite streams. And I wanted to get on that box so bad, uh, but I never had an opportunity to. But you could still see them. So, but back in the day, you could actually, anyone with a fucking satellite could, could see wild feeds. And another thing that you could stumble upon um, is... If you would move your uh, your dish left and right, so you would have it calibrated for your television stations, you can move it left or right, and just a little bit over outside of the, the, the channel, you could get in between two channels, and sometimes you could actually hear satellite phone conversations, and that was fucking wild to hear uh, as a kid, you know, like in kindergarten, sitting there fucking around with a satellite, and coming across... Uh, phone convos, uh, but those are the days of the past, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but if you would like to fuck with 
uh, kind of in the same spirit of what we we're talking about, setting up your own VoIP PBX. If you would like to uh, dive into cellular networks, uh, look into OpenBTS. Um, that stands for Open Base Transceiver Station, and this is um, a software-based uh, GSM uh, station that uh, you can uh, integrate with VoIP networks with SIP trunks. And so that th sounds badass. Yeah, and it, it is it is badass. Uh, you can uh, uh, basically use uh, this for just fun, right? You can set up your own little station at home. This is more of a hardware developer kit, obviously. Uh, but uh, what was really cool at DEFCON 20, uh, uh, Ninja Networks, they had a thing called the Ninja Tell van. And uh, they got a uh, Econoline van, and they turned that into a open BTS base station with a fucking full antenna and everything. Uh, it, and so what they did was uh, they passed out uh, GSM phones uh, with uh, the SIM cards that were made specifically for this open BTS uh, van station. And they were handed out as like VIP, uh, or not VIP, but just after party invites. But when you had this phone, um, you were on a GSM network that they had going, at, running out of this van that had 650 phones on it. So imagine just how cool that would be to get this old flip phone and being able to talk to people on a private GSM network. Uh, and so... It's what the cartels did down in Colombia. Uh, yes, they did. But they also used <laughs> actual... Um, cell phone network infrastructure by getting telco, yeah, kidnapping telco linemen and engineers to put that infrastructure in place for them. Uh, Under details, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so remember, when you can't hex it, just just pull a just gun. Kidnap. Uh, but what's really cool about OpenBTS is uh, that once you get this all set up. You can run your own fucking uh, cell phone network. Uh, and what, of course, uh, one of the things here that we would think of in the hacking perspective is, hey, can we intercept GSM-based communications? And uh, turns out, yes, in 2010 at DEF CON, there was a really awesome talk where OpenBTS was used and a live demo uh, to uh, show this because uh, uh, what, what in, in the GSM standard uh, there is actually an authentication uh, mechanism that's put into place and if I remember correctly uh, and I'm probably not remembering correctly but there is a 0 and 1 um, switch basically on or off and all of your SIM cards at least at that time uh, in the US were, were turned off so so like the features there, everything's in place. They just didn't have the one. They had the zero. Uh, so um, when this demo was done, you you could actually see real live GSM calls being intercepted. It's pretty fucking cool. Uh, so Open BTS, definitely something to fuck around with. Uh, Software defined radio is the shit. 
and uh, this kind of ties in with VoIP and uh, SDR and one uh, complete package there. Uh, I don't know how much it costs now, but if I remember uh, from when I was looking at it last, you can buy the hardware developer kit for like 4000 bucks. Just kind of pricey, uh, I understand, but think about uh, all of the fun you can have with a the GSM based network that you own and operate with your PBX. Uh, so, yeah. Um, one thing that also, I guess, would be part of this is phone freaking uh, is, of course, uh, a lot of fun. But nowadays, what you're seeing a lot of is because things are moved to VoIP, it's uh, VoIP hacking, is what you're looking at there. Uh, so. That is its own new generation and its own topic uh, that I don't even know if we want to cover at this point because we've been going on for so long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking no. <laughs> yeah, it's past your bedtime. Part but... three next week. Oh, God, oh, I don't God. even know. Uh, I don't know shit about VoIP. Don't even, don't even ask me. <laughs> hey, I stayed awake. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. That, that is uh, commendable, Mr. Chin. Yes. Good job, buddy. Good job. Uh, one thing I wanted to say real quick uh, on the on to to I guess wrap this shit up is to look at uh, if you're interested in the mobile shit. Uh, it, one thing that you can do is fuck around with some forensics. So uh, what Zandy was talking about uh, is uh, more on the reversing side and reprogramming side, uh, but the tools that he's using there. Uh, if, if you combine with others, you can actually learn a lot about the hardware and the software that makes your phones tick. So I'd recommend looking into Santoku. It's a Linux distribution made for mobile forensics. Uh, so um, it, it can run on, uh, I, I think it's a Lubuntu-based system, but uh, when you're looking into... All the different things that you can do there. You can look at uh, iOS forensics. So uh, they have uh, uh, iPhone backup analyzer. Uh, so that will allow you to take the uh, <laughs> the backups from your. Now nowadays the shit's encrypted, but uh, if there's an off chance that you see someone who has an old uh, iPhone, or if you have an old iPhone, you can use these tools to. Uh, to play with the backup files that iTunes generates and, and interface with the phone itself. On Android, there are a fuck ton of tools that you can use there. Um, uh, Via Forensics has uh, their AF Logical product. You can get the open source edition. And uh, what that does is on the phone itself, you can uh, interface with it and do all kinds of cool shit. Uh, so you have to have the phone itself, you install an application, you turn on USB debugging, and then when you interface with the computer, you've got a GUI to dig into, uh, you know, kind of like what you would do with a computer forensics application, but with Android. It's very extensive and awesome. Uh, but yeah, look into uh, that distribution and... Uh, uh, so that, uh, you know, it's, it's Santoku, that's S-A-N-T-O-K-U. Uh, so, check it out, play with it, 
uh, and keep freaking alive. Uh, so, <laughs> anything uh, else that you guys want to throw in before we wrap this up? Nope. Parting words from Mr. Chin. He always has something. I, I do not. I have nothing. You don't have like a, a quick little phrase that's witty and inappropriate? No. How about what the fuck? <laughs> Give us a uh, good what the fuck. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking motherfuckers. <laughs> For old time's sake, we should have... Uh, Drops Mr. Chin every 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That should be a feature of the PBX if he calls in. <laughs> you should just have a menu option. Like, you can enter the conference through a different uh, IVR number and it'll drop you every 15 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, one thing that I think, instead of talking about VoIP hacking, because honestly, like, we're not approaching new ground with that shit at all. Uh, other people have done it. Why don't we talk about, uh, keep along with the phone stuff, kind of the phone freaking, but not in our way, not in the fun exploration and, and exploitation of the phone systems and the uh, quest for knowledge. How about next week we talk about the same ideas, uh, but with government-level surveillance technologies and methods. I think that would be a whole lot more fun. and Fed freaks. Uh, yeah, yeah, fed freaking. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So that's so, what so, uh, We're going to have to get some guests then. I, I, I sure we can get guests if you have some in mind. Uh, uh, I, I, I have plenty of fucking material with the research I've done to... Uh, to hell, I could just do one fucking episode on... On just the tracking capabilities, but yeah, we can we can make it a big old. Uh, I don't know. Why don't we call like some feds and ask them for? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. We should get some feds on here. Yeah, that's probably the last thing I want to do with just the, the, there's like two zero two. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's so many things on the past episodes that I wouldn't want to attract attention to, so. Uh, yeah, it's best if we just keep it in-house. So, uh, yeah, uh, Sandy, uh, now that you've heard a lot of the fun that we've had with VoIP, are you going to set up a PBX? I hardly have free time. <laughs> well, Sounds like fun, though, because there's a lot of fun you can do with that. Well, maybe next week you'll uh, be more inclined once we talk about a specific uh, VoIP implementation that... I think a lot of people will find it interesting, even if you're not into the phone freaking. So, tune in next week for an exciting episode of Shadowcast. And uh, as we like to say here from Shadow Systems, we always recommend you to hack the planet.